Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From our friends. 77 WABC. Final step toward equality. Toward liberty and justice. Not just for some, but for everyone. Everyone. Toward creating a nation where decency, dignity, and love are recognized, honored, and protected. Today... I sign the Respect for Marriage Act in the law. The previous ideas of universal uh, 3K and pre-K did not account for children with disabilities. It was just wrong. It was unfair and it was wrong. By this spring, all of our special education students in pre-K and 3K will have the supports they need to flourish both in the classroom and in life. There are a lot of legal problems that are piling up. I alluded to a couple of them. There's the investigation of the classified documents in Mar-a-Lago. There's the investigation of efforts to overturn the 2020 election, the recent conviction for criminal tax fraud. There's the ongoing civil case by the state attorney general, on and on and on. Which of these do you think Donald Trump is most worried about and why? I think that the documents case is the one that worries him. It ties directly to him. That's the one that presents, I think, the gravest risk to him. So it's about um, 5.30 last night, and I come walking outside the gym, and I work out at the YMCA in Rockaway. And I'm all pumped up. You know, I had a great workout, did some legs, a little bit of arms. My friend Jit was there, and just had a really good workout. And I get into the car, and my uh, driver, Levi, who's a super guy, 
he's playing this song, Eye of the Tiger, literally seconds after I finished my 90-minute leg-slash-bicep workout at the gym. And I said to Levi in the car, I said, you know what? You just got me so pumped up. When I start the show tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., I'm going to play this song, Eye of the Tiger. And he's like, cool, boss. And so there you have it, folks. When you come out of a workout, any Rocky song, the original Rocky theme, of course, or Eye of the Tiger. Heck, even um, it's that great song that James Brown sang in Rocky Four before Apollo Creed got killed by Dolph Lundgren by Drago. Living in America. Yes, living in America. America. Sing it, Lewis. I want to hurt you now. <laughs> I'm like that Sid Rosenberg. <laughs> Give me my coat. That's pretty good, Lou. Any Rocky song works. Get you all pumped up, especially on a Wednesday morning in the middle of the winter. It's cold out there today, folks. But here's the good news. I looked at the New York Post, and the date on the top of the paper reads... December the 14th, which means after today, I only have seven shows left, seven before 2023, and I get a much-deserved, very short break. It's like a week, that's it. But at least I can celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah with Danielle, Ava, and Gabriel, and of course, usher in the new year. Looking forward to 2023. 2022 had its ups and downs, as I said yesterday. Many ups, many ups. But one huge down, losing Bernard. I do come live today from the Bernard McGurk studio here at 77 WABC. So looking forward to this uh, this holiday specifically because I haven't seen my daughter since she left in September. And even though she's spending all of our money. I mean, I get a text from Danielle almost every day bitching about Ava. Every day. She spent all the Apple money. She's maxed out all of our cards. Every day. Every day. It's 520 in the morning. I'm trying to get myself ready to do this show, and it takes a lot of mental preparedness. It's not just getting the stories and getting the sound, but, you know, when you're hosting a four-hour show in New York City, there is some mental preparation if you're good. And legwork. Legwork, like last night. Sure. Thank you, Louis. James yes. Brown, right behind you, massaging your shoulders. But then I get these texts from Danielle. It's like it just completely throws me off my game, you know. I'm like, D, I... I but I can't say anything because if I start saying it, she goes, well, why do I have to deal with these texts? You're her father. I'm going to tell her to text you. So I know that already going in. So I'm just like, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. And I'm just praying to God that the texts actually stop. But of course, they, didn't. they just keep coming, you know, Ava this, Ava that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, she is coming home Monday. And I haven't seen her in three months. And even though she is spending all of our money, I mean, she's in college, but it's like she's on a teen tour. I've said this before, you know. We got we got this beautiful apartment in Wales, in Europe, and it's got this big kitchen. She's got the microwave. She's got all this stuff. And my daughter <laughs> refuses to do anything for herself. So three times a day between breakfast, lunch, and dinner, because we get the, you know, we get the the phone notifications. She gets, uh, like, seamless, or what do you call these um, these food things on your phone they deliver all the time? Seamless is one of them, seamless. I know that. Yeah, Grubhub. Yeah, Grubhub, those types of things. But she's got the London version, you know. And it's three times a day. <laughs> uh, bangers and mash to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're all like $30 a piece. So she goes through 100 bucks in, in a second, in a second. 
That's before any clothes shopping or food shopping or drinks or whatever else she does. No meal plan, then. Is that the... the, I don't don't know. This morning, Danielle said we're cutting her off, so... And, of course, that means I'm going to get a phone call from Ava in about two hours yelling and screaming. No one cares that I'm hosting this monster radio show in New York City. No one cares. It's Danielle. It's Ava. Gabriel woke up this morning. He farted. Okay, fine. Jeez. D. See, these are the pressures you don't have to deal with because you don't have any kids. And Oh, and I feel bad for myself. At this, <laughs> yeah. Right at this moment in time, yeah. I am wondering, why have I been deprived? No, no, listen, this, this don't, much don't get me wrong. You are deprived. I, uh, I, you I, are the, I, I wouldn't give as, as... I think you have a great family. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, but, but at 5, 6 o'clock... This is not what I could go No, what's through. 6 o'clock? I got the first text from Danielle at 516. No, 516. Yeah. But so there's an incredible amount of stress and anxiety you. and all that that goes with it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I don't know how people go through life without having a kid. I really don't. And no, no disrespect to you, though. But um, there is a lot of stress that's involved. And sometimes it's not even the kid. It's the significant other. And she's right. Why should she have to deal with it while I'm at work? But, you know, I mean... You like the paycheck every two weeks, you got to find a way to deal with it for four hours and then bother me at 10 o'clock, which he does too. So, God, well, you, have, you have no sympathy. I mean, I, zero, uh, zero. All right. I said I felt deprived, but <laughs> yeah. not, I said not at this moment. Not I, right now, no. I just, you, no. You're, you're a shining example of how you can deal with the stress. <laughs> yeah. I've got to say, you get, you get it out in great ways. And the holiday season should be spectacular for you, I can tell. Yeah, it's not. No. Uh, so the story on the cover of today's New York Post is one that I'm trying to care about. But I talked about this yesterday. I'm not Anthony Scaramucci. I'm not any one of these people that does business with multimillionaires and billionaires. To me, it's a whole different world. So this story about Harry Plotter, this guy, um, Sam Bankman-Fried, CryptoCon SBF embezzled billions for Dem donations and real estate. Then he goes on to tell the judge, listen, I'm a vegan and I'm depressed So you can't send me to jail. This guy stole like millions and billions of dollars and he expected the judge to let him go home because he's a vegan and he's depressed. And of course, the judge said no. But um, I'm I'm finding it hard to care about this story. That's why I'm bringing on both Ron and Santa and Jason Trenner this morning, because, again, I hate to break this to the millionaires and billionaires out there. The everyday guys that I deal with, the cops, the firemen first responders, people working in retail, people in restaurants. They don't know about this type of stuff. They don't care about this type of stuff. To them, this is bougie crime. It's not relatable. It's just not. I mean, yeah, Bernie Madoff, he's an ex-Bernie Madoff. Who dealt with Bernie Madoff? Who dealt with him? The guy that works at the diner on Kings Highway? I don't think so. That was the Mets and other millionaires and billionaires and Wall Street folks. I mean, there were some charities and, I guess, some old ladies that he did bilk as well. But for the most part, these stories don't affect the everyday guy. And if they do, they don't know how. So that's why we've got two guests coming on today. But Judge Jeanine Pirro did uh, go nuts on this guy, Sam Bankman-Fried, yesterday on The Five. So we'll play some of that. They all went nuts. Gutfeld, Pirro. Waters, and then they add on one of my favorite people of all time. This is unbelievable. On Jesse Waters last night, who does he have on talking about about, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried? Well, he can't get Bernie Madoff because he's dead. 
and he was in prison anyway. But to me, the face, the face of all these crimes, and I can say that because Leonardo DiCaprio did such a tremendous job playing this guy in the movie The Wolf of Wall Street, a guy that's been in studio with me and Bernard not once but twice, and a fan of this show, Jordan Belfort was on with Jesse Waters last night. And Waters was talking to Belfort like you and I are talking right now, Lou. Like he's a good guy. This guy stole millions and billions. People killed themselves. Literally, they committed suicide because of all the money Jordan Belfort took from them. And he's sitting there having a conversation with Jesse Waters. And that's why every now and then the left hates us and makes fun of us. And in this case, they'd be right. But I've got the audio anyway. But we'll start with uh, Judge Jeanine Pirro. This is courtesy of the Five and Fox News. And she's yelling there were red flags from the very beginning about Sam Bankman-Fried. Judge Jeanine Pirro, Lewis, this is cut number 14. There were red flags all along. There's a guy by the name of Terry Duffy who said this thing right in the beginning was fraudulent. And he used he used money to invest for himself. He gave his girlfriend money, Alameda. Why is she not a co-defendant? Why? Maybe because they're trying to get her to testify. But you know what? I don't think they need her to testify. He gave money to her. That money is now gone. You explain what you did with that money. You've got two at the top. You don't need anyone else as far as I'm concerned. Here's one more. Once again, Judge Janine Pirro on Sam Bankman-Fried arrested in the Bahamas. Lou Rufino, this is cut number 15. The whole smell of it just stinks. And in the end, there'll be a conviction. He will spend his life in jail. Shame on him and his parents Mm -hmm. who knew so much more. So it turns out, again, that a lot of the money that this Bankman Freed stole ended up going to Democrats. Terrible people like Joe Biden, the president. (laughs) These, These Democrat politicians. How do I know that? Because Jesse Waters told me that on The Five yesterday on Fox News. Lou Rapino, this is Jesse Waters, cut number 16. He stole money from people, and then he donated it to the Democrats. So Biden had to bust his second biggest mega donor. It was a pump and dump. He was pumping and dumping, but the Democrats pumped and dumped him. They legitimized him. He's got his company's name on arenas. He's up there with Bill and celebrities. Now there's collateral damage. So he went down hard. So there you have it. He went down hard. He was arrested. And I guess he'll go to jail for the rest of his life. I mean, that's it. This guy's never going to get out. Well, who knows? I don't know. Jordan Belfort is out doing TV. In fact, uh, why not play it? This is, uh, yes, the real wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort, on Jesse Waters' show last night, this is uh, Jesse's show at 7 p.m., Jordan Belfort talking about fraud, of all things, and Sam Bankman-Fried. Lewis, this is cut number 17. Not that I was fooled by it, but, you know, you'd have no way of knowing how much fraud someone is committing unless you can look inside their book. The people that actually did due diligence they actually should have their heads examined because if I would have walked into this place and taken one look around, it would have taken me five seconds flat to say there is something amiss here. There's no way these guys are on the level. But when you talk about Jordan Belfort, of course, that's the real guy. That's the real Jordan Belfort. Him commenting on fraud. Unbelievable. I know. It's like Jeffrey Dahmer commenting <laughs> on a bad diet. <laughs> 
Are you kidding me? I'd rather hear anyway from the guy that played Jordan Belfort, a brilliant portrayal, I must say, Leo, in the movie Wolf of Wall Street. And if you missed it, here he was talking to his guys at his firm about the difference between a telephone and making money. See those little black boxes? They're called telephones. I'm going to let you on a little secret about these telephones. They're not going to dial themselves, okay? Without you, they're just worthless hunks of plastic, like a loaded M16 without a trained Marine to pull the trigger. And in the case of the telephone, it's up to each and every one of you, my highly trained Stratonites, my killers. My killers who will not take no for an answer. My warriors who will not hang up the phone until their client either buys or f***ing dies! (laughs) Oh, man, was he great in that movie. So was Bo Deedle, the wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort, on with Jesse Waters last night talking about Sam Bankman-Fried. Once again, four really good guests today from CNBC, Ron and Santa. He'll join us at 640. Jason Trenner, chairman and CEO of Strategies Research Partners. Larry Kudlow loves this guy. He's got to be good. Jason Trenner coming up at 740. The great congressman Peter King makes his weekly visit at 840. And don't forget, coming up tomorrow is our annual holiday radio fan this year. It's all about Frank Siller and the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Six hours, I'll host them all from 6 a.m. to noon. The athlete in New York City that represents that day, 9-11, more than any other, was former New York Met great pitcher John Franco. The Mets signed a couple of big star pitchers. And, of course, once again with the Tunnels of Towers Foundation Radiothon tomorrow. What better guy to speak to than Johnny Franco? And he'll join me at 925 this morning. A big hump day Wednesday show with us. The number one Nielsen news talk show in New York City and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. We are sitting friends in the morning. Only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. In friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Jesse is a friend. Yeah, I know he's been a good friend of mine. But lately something's changed. It ain't hard to define. Jesse's got himself a girl and I want to make her mine. And she's watching him with those eyes. And she's loving with Body, I just know it Yeah, he's holding her in his arms Late, late at night You know I wish that I had Jesse's girl I wish that I had Jesse's girl Where can I find a woman like I used to watch Rick Springfield when he was on General Hospital Way back when Noah Drake Noah Drake, very good Dr. Noah Drake Very good I was always an ABC guy. I told Kelly Ripper that when she was on. I used to go from 12.30 to 4 o'clock every day. I had this uh, girlfriend named Ava way back when. 
<laughs> same, same name as my daughter. My, my wife, Danielle, actually knew my ex-girlfriend, David. They hated each other. <laughs> oh, my God. She lived in Bensonhurst. Hello, Dr. Freud. <laughs> yeah. She was on 61st and Bay Parkway in uh, Bensonhurst. And we would, uh, she went to Midwood High School, and I went to Brooklyn College, right across the street from each other. And there was this little restaurant, if you will, in Brooklyn College. It was called, you ready for this? Kosher Country. Yeah, baby. And all the Jews would hang out in kosher country and perv on the high school girls, the Midwood girls across the street. They were beautiful, some of them, including Shalom. Amy. Yeah. So um, we would meet at kosher country. Not up, Lou. Oi, where are you going today? <laughs> she is uh, of Yemen descent, very pretty, green eyes, dark skin, the whole thing, you know. And we go back to our house in Bensonhurst, and we would watch three and a half hours of soap operas, and then go to a bowling alley, which I think is still there in Bensonhurst, on like 61st, maybe just east of Bay Parkway, and bowl a couple days a week. But I went from Ryan's, uh, not Ryan's, uh, what was it, something Hope. Um, Ryan's Hope. Yeah, Ryan's Hope at 1230. All my children at 1. I believe One Life to Live at 2. And then General Hospital at 3. And uh, Noah Drake, I remember, of course, we talked about Jack Wagner, Frisco and Felicia, Tony Geary, Luke and Laura. What was the name of the other family again? That um, It's, it's kind of like Cats and Matisse, but it's not. Uh, you know, the uh, the big family there. In, wh- in which? In General Hospital. They were like, um, they were all, there's one family name I forget yeah, now. it's usually a family. In yeah, I know, but I can't remember. Uh-huh. Anyway, I watch that show uh, every day. So I remember Rick Springfield from there. Then he went on to become this huge uh, musical star, and I liked him, actually. Folks, big day tomorrow here at WABC. It's our annual holiday radiothon. The last couple of years, we did the Cohen Children Medical Center on Long Island. I love those guys. Love Laura McDonough. But this year, we moved it on over to our dear friend, Frank Siller, and in my opinion, the greatest charity in the world today, and that is Tunnel to Towers. That's my opinion. So I'm really, really honored to be hosting all six hours of this Radiothon tomorrow. And every hour will be a different co-host. Six different hosts will stop by tomorrow. Some of your favorites here at WABC, Frank Morano, Curtis Sliwa, Rita Cosby, Andrew Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani, Dominic Carter. Not in that order, but uh, all six will spend an hour apiece with me tomorrow in our efforts to have you folks donate as much money as possible. It is the holiday season, and it's time to help make a difference. This holiday season, Talk Radio 77 WABC, like I said, teaming up with my friend Frank Siller and the fine folks at the Tunnel to Towers Foundation for our annual holiday radiothon. Comes your way tomorrow, 6 a.m. to noon. Help us raise money for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation's Season of Hope. All the money raised will bring hope to America's military and first responder heroes and their families this holiday season. You don't have to wait, though, till tomorrow to start donating. You can do it right now. Donate $11 a month. That's it or more at WABCRadio.com slash donate. That's WABCRadio.com slash donate. Happy holidays and thank you from us. We are Talk Radio 77 WABC and, of course, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. 
Pumped up tomorrow. A little day for I you am. tomorrow. This is huge. Yeah. Is it the Cassidine family? It is the Cassidines, yes. Cassidines. Cassidines, yes. Because Corinthos is another one I Well, Corinthos, I think, is Sonny. He's the mob guy. Oh, really? That's yeah, he's just... been on there forever. He's like 100 years old now. He's yeah. cute, though. He's a cute guy. That doesn't sound... Um... He's French in real life. <laughs> Sonny <laughs> Corinthos. But the Cassidines... I'm not sure that's even the right family. There's one more. I'm just I'm searching. I, I don't, don't remember. This. I'd have to get my dead grandmother to tell me she used to watch Oh, these Leslie things. Slender got it. She got it. I got love it. Leslie. It's the Quartermains. Oh, of course. The Quartermains. Yes. That was the family, yes. yes. Oh. So you had the Cassidines, Sonny's Corinthos, but Leslie is correct. It was the Quartermains. Thank you, Leslie. Somebody else in the 516 sent me the quarter mains too. I don't recognize the number, but people are all over this stuff. So they love GH. GH was the best. Did you watch any of these shows? I, yeah, because but like I was very young and I would you know, my grandmother would stay with us sometimes and yeah. then uh, she was watched it. Oh, you could just pick it up in two weeks, honey. You could just pick it well, up. Well that's true. Yeah. You could miss yeah. it, come yeah. back. This one's sleeping with that one. And this but did one she do too. ABC? Or was yes, she, she, ABC's the best oh, yeah. one. The best one. Yeah. The best one. General Hospital. That's one it. Life to right. live. And then, of course, I watched, growing up as a kid, I loved all the nighttime uh, soap operas. I never missed Dynasty. Never. Looking back now, I don't know why. Linda Evans was kind of odd looking. Joan Collins was a bitch. And uh, John Forsythe was too old to be that type of guy. Blake Carrington. But I never missed that show. I never got into Dallas. That's the one show I know that everybody in the world was crazy about that show. Who shot JR? Yeah, blah, cares? blah, blah. Who Never cares? got into it. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> I love Melrose Place. I love that show. Oh, what do Melrose Place and GH have in common? Jack Wagner. He played Frisco on GH and Dr. Peter Burns on Melrose Place. I love that one. I did not watch Falcon Crest, did you? No, no. I didn't. I think I was in school at the time, and I probably <laughs> yeah. was doing yeah. other things. Probably so, no. yes. Falcon All right. Crest. Ron and Santa's going to stop by momentarily, talk about this Sam Bankman Freed guy, who, of course, is on the cover of every paper across America today. It's a huge story. He is the 2022 version of Bernie Madoff and Jordan Belfort. And Ron and Santa will join us coming up in about 10 minutes. Also, you've got traffic and sports coming up. Right now, it's time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to the future is now. That's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Here, Bo and James Eisenberg talk about Ethereum. With me as co-host is James Eisenberg, who is the Chief Investment Officer and Managing Partner of Interblock Capital Partners. Who's actually writing this software for Ethereum? Developers are writing the software like they've always written the software. Well, now you're developing code, and depending how the project is structured, let's say it's an open source project, no one technically owns the code because it's in an open source repository, and anyone can download it and use it, fork it, and customize it. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness! Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. This is my guy, Pete Morgan. Nobody better, Peerless Boilers. It is freezing this morning. It's in your best interest, folks. Get yourself a new boiler. Check out PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. They do build America's best boilers. Talking about freezing, a lot of the local action took place on the ice last night. 
With the latest on that is my guy, Justin Ellick. Good morning, Justin. Good morning, Sydney. Uh, over two on the ice last night. The Islanders did uh, grab one point. They lost to the Boston Bruins 4-3 to in Boston as a shootout was needed to find a winner. This was a, uh, a hard-fought contest, and the Isles, they did play well enough to maybe grab the two points, but Boston's David Pasternak had other ideas as he went barred down after a nice deke in the shootout for the eventual game winner. Up next for the Islanders is the second game in a five-game road trip set for Friday in Arizona against the Coyotes. As for the Devils, they were in action as well. They lose 4-1 to at home to the Dallas Stars as they continue to slide a bit here after their scorching hot start with their skid now reaching three straight losses. Miles Wood had the lone goal for the Devs who couldn't quite figure out a familiar name in Dallas goaltender Scott Wedgwood who registered 35 saves on the night. The 30-year-old goalie was drafted by the Devils in 2010 before playing parts of three seasons with the club. Up next for New Jersey is a visit from the Philadelphia Flyers tomorrow night. And history on the ice as well. Last night, Washington Capitals captain Alex Ovechkin scored the 800th goal of his career uh, yesterday, becoming the third player in NHL history. Gretzky and Howe are the other two uh, to reach the milestone. He also became the first to do it with a single franchise, and it came as part of a hat-trick performance in a 7-3 to route of the Blackhawks in Chicago and World Cup action in Qatar. Argentina beats Croatia 3-0 in the World Cup semifinals. Punch Did Lionel Messi score for Argentina yesterday? Yeah, and, and he had an assist. I actually, the, really? only, the only thing I needed in my parlay was for, was for Croatia to score, and it didn't hit. Oh, you oh. had Messi scoring? I had, I had both teams to score, Messi scoring, Messi assist, and oh. uh, yeah. That would have been a five-teamer? It, it, no. Well, it would have been a five-legger. Right, yes. five-legger. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Wow. That's I guess that's what happens when you don't watch soccer. Wow. Even watch, I forgot yeah. I even bet on it, and then I missed the game, and I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, nobody does except for me. <laughs> Shortstop Carlos Correa. My parlay. Parlay. <laughs> yeah, Carlos Correa gets a 13-year, 350 million dollar contract from the San Francisco Giants. It's funny how we say that amount of years and that amount of money, like so nonchalantly. Yeah, yeah, it's nothing. like it's nothing. All right, and you got Nixon, the Chicago Bulls tonight. Tip off 7:30 uh, in Chicago. Here with your bottom of the hour sports update. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Where's the music? This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Instagram is pumping this morning. You can follow me on Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. You can follow me on Twitter, although I very rarely use Twitter. Even with Elon Musk taking it over, it's just, it's hell that place. At Sid Rosenberg on Twitter, Facebook Sid Rosenberg. And I stopped using uh, Truth Social for a little while. People were getting very angry about my guests, the way they talked about Donald Trump, blah, blah, blah. There is a USA Today poll out today. I'm not sure how how, um, accurate USA Today polls are. I think they're not very accurate, not very accurate at all. But for what it's worth, in today's polling, Ron DeSantis is hammering Donald Trump. 56% would vote for Ron DeSantis if the primary was today. 33% Donald Trump and all kinds of other measures I asked about and 
It um, This poll, specifically USA Today, has Ron DeSantis hammering Donald Trump. And, of course, MSNBC, that's all they're talking about all morning long because they hate Donald Trump. And, quite frankly, they hate America. Even my dear friend Mike Barnacle. Anyway, my next guest is a CNBC stalwart, one of the greatest economic minds in the history of America, great TV guy, and most importantly, putting me in his new movie, The Tank Job, which we start shooting, I think, February in Canada. Here he is, my dear friend Ronnie Insana. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, and, and thanks for that lovely walk-up. And, and MSNBC folks do not hate America. Oh, they hate him. Oh, oh, they hate it in the worst way. No, 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 no. They hate it. No, they do. They hate it. Okay. Joe and Mika hate it. Barnacle hates it. Joy Reid's a racist. Don't get me started here, Ronnie. I, I just oh put John. I love please, you to death. Please, please, decide. Oh, my God. What? It's early. It's early. I know. But you have to, Ron, you have to hear these things. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I know you work at CNBC. There are horrible people there, too. But I work at MSNBC, too. Oh, my God. Don't tell anybody that. I wouldn't brag about I that. I would not tell anybody, but I'm very proud to work for the NBC. Oh, will you stop it? Network. Oh, my God. Been there for 31 years. Yes, because you're a good man and a smart guy, and you were there before these hateful Americans showed up. It's not your fault that they hired all these hateful Americans. You're a great American. But my I, God, I, don't I, tell me they don't hate America. Are you kidding me? Oh my God. I don't. This is this. I think this is what's wrong. I'll with tell you, this guy Willie Geis, he's another punk. Can't stand him. I, Willie's a perfectly good guy. He's a jerk off, Ron. He's a jerk off. <laughs> yes, he is. But I love you. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for winning most of the my, the remaining moments of my oh, career. That's I really fine. appreciate fine. that. Yeah, that's great. You used to say the same things about Imus all those years, right? Same thing, right? Now here I come. I'm no better. Um, let me ask you about this. <laughs> I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> the Sam Bankman Freed. Now, my, I made the point early on. That for most Americans that get up nine to five, make about thirty thousand dollars a year, they don't care about this. Is the what is it? income. Go How ahead. much is 63, it? Sixty-three thousand. Is that what it's up to, really? The median income, yeah. No kidding. All right. Well, that's yeah. because New York and California skews that thing. Most Probably. of the country can't afford to, to to go to McDonald's more than twice a week, so they don't care about Sam Bankman Free. They can't relate to millions of dollars, billions of dollars, Bernie Madoff, uh, you know, Jordan Belfort, any of these guys. They can't relate. Quite frankly, either can I. So when I see these stories, I realize how horrible they are. And how many people get screwed? I mean, people killed themselves, literally, after Bernie Madoff did what he did. But I don't Absolutely. know much about it because it's not in my world. Tell us about Sam Bankman-Fried, who he worked for, and what he did. Okay, so he didn't work for anyone. He had his own uh, a couple of firms that he controlled. One was called FTX. You may have seen that on uh, baseball umpire uniforms or a couple of stadiums in Miami. Uh, it was a cryptocurrency exchange, the way the New York Stock Exchange trades equities or a variety of other exchanges trade bonds or commodities he traded cryptocurrencies now granted there are vast vast differences among these types of exchanges this was wildly unregulated it was connected to a hedge fund that he controlled and it appears at least certainly from all the allegations leveled against him that he it was a very a deceptively simple case of fraud where he used customer dollars to either make highly speculative bets in his hedge fund, moving them from the exchange to the hedge fund he controlled, or on personal uh, purchases like a massive uh, compound to live in in the Bahamas, among other 
things that he apparently bought or other debts that he paid the money with. So it, it's really. By the way, you conveniently left out. You conveniently left out all the major donations he made to Joe Biden uh, and the just, Democrat Party. I, yeah. And and Republic, he said he admitted himself that he made it. He um, donated as much to Republicans through dark pools as he did to Democrats. He just didn't want that to be recognized in the uh, in the press. Okay, so when they talk about the, I guess the similarities, Ron, between him yeah. and Bernie Madoff or Jordan Belfort, who ended up on Fox News last night, I don't know how, but he does. Uh, tell me the similarities and maybe the differences too. Well, I, first of all, I mean they're all sociopaths, right? I mean, at the end of the day, uh, um, it, it, when when you're taking money from people uh, and presumably putting it in your care for safekeeping or to grow it for whatever you know, goals they may have and using it, you know, either to, to increase your own wealth or to do things like, as he suggested, uh, effective altruism that he wanted to give money away to save the world. You know, it really is all nonsense. I mean, they're just, just stealing money at the end of the day is what's happening. And at one juncture, his net worth was in excess of $20 billion. The day before FTX collapsed, he was worth $16 billion. The day after he was worth zero. FTX has, it's been at least Presumed one million creditors with up to fifty billion dollars in liabilities. This is double the size of the Enron scandal. It's close to the size of the Bernie Madoff scandal, which was sixty-five billion dollars. It's it's look. I mean, and and you know, you talk about the tank job and and the movie we're making. I think now in April, but we'll talk about that offline. Um, it, every one of these individuals who scams either professionals or or retail investors out of their money. You know, is doing the same thing. We we assigned to them a certain degree of brilliance. In this case, he was doing something that appeared to be highly complex, and you know, the future of money and all that kind of nonsense. And Elizabeth Holmes with the you know single drop blood test that would presumably tell you everything you needed to know about yourself. You know, it's just all fraud, and it happens repeatedly throughout financial market history. Mm-hmm. And this is the latest and maybe one of the biggest and most widespread in the sense that. He's being charged with so many crimes from money laundering to wire wire, uh, fraud, securities fraud, uh, illegal campaign contributions. I've never seen a list this long leveled against one individual. And Elizabeth Holmes just got 11 years in prison. So he's basing, I don't know, just, you know, I'm curious. You talked about numbers, 65 billion made off this guy in the billions. The tank job, the movie we're making, whether it's February, April, the next year, I don't care. Uh, Tito DeAngelis, when he did what he did back in 1963 with soybean oil, with salad dressing, basically, what were the numbers there? Well, he had borrowed a couple hundred million dollars from 51 different institutions. This is 1963. So, look, at the end of the day, if you were to put it in today's dollars, it would probably be about $2 billion, but it understates the impact that it had on Wall Street because two major Wall Street uh, firms, which had lent him money, almost went out of business. They had one of them alone at the time had $450 million worth of client assets. This is 1963. Um, it shook up the entire you know, corporate foundation of Wall Street, uh, affected the market greatly in the very same week that JFK was assassinated the four days prior. And it was it was the biggest scandal on Wall Street since the 1920s. Wow. So it was. And, and again, deceptively simple. He said he had a one point eight billion pounds of salad oil in storage tanks in Bayonne, New Jersey. It was mostly salt water, <laughs> salt water. So this um, this Bankman Freed said to the judge yesterday, he said, you have to understand, I'm depressed. I'm a vegan. I can't go to jail. I can't get the food. Yeah, you can go to jail. You, you, you can't to- make this up. I mean, he actually thought the judge. 
was going to be sympathetic? I listen. You know, when when you get these folks who do strange things like this, you know, uh, look. Even some of the January six writers. What, what what didn't one of them have specific dietary requests that he made to the judge while he was in prison? And, and they actually accommodated him for a brief period of time. Like I, it's all you know. You can throw up whatever excuse you want. I interviewed years and years ago a gentleman by the name uh, now deceased, uh, Meyer Blinder, who was a penny stock fraudster, convicted of securities fraud, went to jail in the seventies, died in jail, and you know was arguing that he was too old to jail, go to jail. I mean, you, you know, you get these types of yeah. arguments. You know, I stole a couple hundred million dollars, just stole a couple billion dollars, but listen. You know, can you go easy on me? It's just, you know, it's just, it's absurd. Yeah, it is. So for Main Street, for folks working everyday lives here in New York, how does a crime like this that Bankman Freed committed affect them? Does it affect them? Or is this basically just rich people playing with toys? Well, in a certain sense, it's the latter. Because, because the folks in the crypto world never wanted to integrate fully with the legacy financial systems that we deal with, banks and brokerage houses that have you know, long uh, respected names. They're, those firms, our big firms, never really got deeply involved in the activities of cryptocurrency exchanges. And so we don't have what we like to call systemic risk. Like the financial system's not at risk because they're not plugged into the system. Had they been, it would have been a much bigger deal for the financial markets for the economy and maybe for individuals, the individuals at risk here are those who are involved and who are speculating in cryptocurrencies or who put you know, up to $10 billion of their money collectively on, on FTX's exchange and then had Sam Bankman-Fried, at least according to a lot of published reports, use a invisible backdoor to get the money out of FTX and into his own hedge fund. So generally speaking, because most of the crypto world is trying to exist outside the legacy financial systems, there's a lot less exposure than there would have otherwise been. Having said that, at the peak, the 12,000 cryptocurrencies that exist at one point were worth at least theoretically over $2 trillion. That's down to 700 and some billion now. Wow. I'm surprised it's still that high. I mean, haven't people figured out that crypto is is finished? It's over? It's done? Well, I mean, look, that's my particular perspective. And I think, you know, the underlying blockchain technology, which I think is important for, uh, for the financial architecture of, of any system and is going to be useful in the future is, is is critical. I think, though, that, look, you still got Bitcoin trading at about 17,000. You still have Ethereum trading at about 12, 1300. And so there's money locked in there. I mean, these, these things were at pennies when they were first developed and they've gone up a lot. So there's still some wealth locked up in there. Whether or not they go to zero and go away is an open question. But among the 12,000 cryptocurrencies that exist, I would I would guess that 11,998 are going to be gone over yeah. the course of the next couple of years. You know, when we sat down and did the reading for your movie, uh, Tom yeah. Bergeron, me, and some other actors, it was a great time. It was great. I was fascinated, I guess maybe at the end, of, if I remember correctly, you can correct me, but at the end, uh, the narrator started listing all of these yeah. major, major Wall Street crimes. Bernie Madoff was in there. We mentioned the movies about Tito DeAngelis. I think we mentioned Jordan Belfort. But you read off like there was like 10 or 15 of them inside that script. And I found that to be so fascinating. Where does Sam Bankman feed? Forget about the dollars because it's 2022. Where does he fall? If you got to pick five of the seven biggest scams in history, where does so he fall? Top five. Top five. Top five. Top five. Who are the other four if you had to pin so them So right Bernie now? Madoff, um, 
let's see, Bernie Madoff. Uh, Elizabeth Holmes is up there just because of the the breadth and scope of the business that she built um, with some very respectable people on the board. Uh, see, when I was going I mean, up, one of the guys I got in a lot of trouble was a guy like Michael Milken, for example, but he's not well, there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a different kind of thing. That was an insider trading scandal. Um, that was largely a Wall Street affair that didn't really affect as many people. I mean, it, it, you know, depending on your point of view on this and people view Michael differently, I, I still think that he at the very least violated the spirit of a, a lot of laws. Listen, Ivan Boski, who was the first person to get um, in trouble because of the whole Milken, Drexel, Burnham, Lombard daisy chain, as it was once called. You know, I, I remember it was, <clears throat> it was, I was just looking this up yesterday. It was November 14th, 1986. It was a Friday afternoon. I was a producer and an anchor at Financial News Network at the time. And our production assistant, after the close of the market, on a Friday afternoon, rips this wire and, and you know, calls out to me. She goes, is this a story? Ivan Boski settles with the SEC for $100 million. <laughs> and none of us, none of us knew that he was under investigation, right? Wow. It was one of the, and they did a late dump on a Friday. And we're like, and I'm thinking, like, honey, what did he settle for? Like, what, you know, he was this, this presumably this extremely sophisticated trader, kind of who Michael uh, Douglas effectively portrayed at Wall Street. Oh, my God, and, the great Gordon Gecko. Yeah, it was the same, same character, right? And so. I like. Nah, I'm not sure. And then I stopped for a second. I went to see Bill Griffith, who was on the anchor desk at the time. I'm like, Bill, you know, do we need to cover this? He's like, Holy Jesus, this is like huge. I mean, it was a hundred million dollar settlement, and we called. I think Gary Lynch was the head of enforcement at the SEC at the time. He came on and talked to us about it, and we got the story on the air that Friday afternoon. And it was a massive story. Ivan Boski was thought to be this trading genius, and instead, he was just trading tips. And was getting, you know, fed information in exchange for uh, briefcases full of cash. <laughs> so uh, these stories just go on and on. I mean, you can go back, you know, decades, yeah. if not centuries, to find examples of, of this type of behavior. Well, this was a great conversation. Not good, great. Now I have to I apologize. It, except for the first part. Started, was, yes. You know, I'm sorry about that. Eh? Yeah. I mean, I still feel the wrong? same exact way about it. I mean, no, no, no. You're edgy this morning. I'm always at you. That's why I'm number one in New York, Ron. And also, how do I get a Donna Summer walk-up song? I love her to death, but I mean, what, you know. <laughs> well, um, I would call her, but of course, she's dead, Ron. She's dead, so I'm not sure how I you know, get that. I, I have <laughs> great respect and, and admiration for her work. I just was a, you yeah. know. Those days when you used to go to Studio 54 and do coke with Ivan Boski? I, I didn't live in New York at the time. <laughs> I was in Los Angeles. Right, that's what he says. Not that he didn't do coke, by the way, but I didn't live in New York at the time. So. <laughs> I didn't live in New York. <laughs> Ron, you're brilliant. You're beautiful. I love you to pieces. And this was a seriously, it was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Take care, man. Take care, Ron Insana. CNBC. That's how you cover the biggest story of the day. Right there. That's how you do it. He's getting the sweat right off. His oh head my right god! Now. Great job. <laughs> Three more great guests still to come. We're just getting rolling, folks. I love working there. Sitting friends in the morning. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hour number two is coming up. Spectacular. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Oh, no, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off even by lighting up. Boy. From my friends. The star of the show. Boy. Boy. I spoke to.
to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Oh, this oh. is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. 77 WABC. Today does mark one of the saddest days in the history of this country, and that song is perfect for that. White Lion, When the Children Cry. Ten years ago today, Sandy Hook happened in Connecticut. Adam Lanza. I know we hate to mention the names of these folks, but he did steal his mother's guns and went to a school and murdered little children. Over 20 were killed that day, ten years ago today. We have since had another similar act of terror in Uvalde, Texas, not that long ago. We continue to talk about how the cops failed us that day, which we, we knew that first day. But And to be honest, the, you know, going on and on about how the cops failed us, and I've had these arguments with Lydia in the past, started to annoy me because the cops in this city take so much strife and suffer from a huge amount of disrespect and in this city and big cities across this country, that I try my very best to limit my criticism of the cops. And even though it was clear in Uvalde that they screwed up, we're still talking about that months and months later. This guy got fired, the sheriff. I don't want to hear about it. I got it. The cops screwed up. Little kids died. Little kids were going to die that day anyway because there was a maniac with a gun who was dead set, like Lanza, on killing little kids. I remember 1999. I was living in Boca Raton, Florida, Quilting Lane. And these two kids named Dylan Klebold and Michael Harris decided to go to high school that day with a bunch of guns and bombs and started murdering high school students. It was really the first time that America saw this. I'm sure it happened before that, but this one was the first time that we saw it up close, video, and I can see the two of them in their black trench coats. Remember, that was a big deal back then. If you were a black trench coat, you were antisocial and maybe going to shoot up a high school. That was 1999. That was almost 23 years ago. I don't know how many school shootings have happened since. 
but it's a huge, huge, huge number. And every time it happens, the Democrats go right to gun control, which is stupid. I'm all for gun control. Have at it. It doesn't stop maniacs from killing, evidenced by the fact that the strictest gun laws in the country are in cities like Chicago and New York, the most violent. Nothing to do with gun laws. It's all about the deterioration of our society and children and kids and adolescents who have gone so crazy that they've decided that no matter what, no one's going to stop them. No one's going to stop them. They're going to go out and kill. That's called crazy. And that's our biggest issue in our society today. Not guns. Gun does not get up in the morning and dress itself and get in a car and drive to a school. That's a human being. Now, don't get me wrong. You can kill a lot quicker with a gun than a knife. I understand that. Although we've seen about 70% of the deaths in New York on the subways, nothing to do with a gun. Nothing. Knife attacks. They throw people in front of moving trains. But I'm not stupid. I get it. A gun Yes, you can certainly do more damage than not. And if you want to get rid of some of these semi-automatic, I don't know if about guns to have this conversation, nor do I want to. I'm up for the Second Amendment, but I don't own a gun. Don't own one. Um, you want to get rid of some of these semi-automatic weapons, fine. Go, go ahead. Great. But my contention has always been, and it remains that way, that when a kid like Lanza, Sandy Hook, or this other animal, that did what he did in Uvalde, when they decide that day, and post it on Instagram that they're going to kill little kids. You ain't stopping them because they'll get a gun legally or illegally. It doesn't matter. So until you figure out how to combat crazy in this country, which is getting worse and worse, the gun is just a vehicle. That's all it is. But Democrats don't want to hear that. Just like Democrats don't want to hear about the border. I mean, we've got a huge, not a small, we've got a huge crisis at the border and let me tell you folks title 42 that's going to run out in a week and even though millions have crossed the border millions guess what because title 42 was going away which kept people out because of covid millions more maybe as many as 13 million will enter this country and what are we doing about it nothing Joe Biden said last week, I've got bigger problems. Oh, you do? Joe, baby, hundreds of thousands of our kids are dying every year from fentanyl and drug addictions coming across the border. What is more important than watching our youth die? I'm just curious, Joe. What, signing some stupid gay marriage bill? I'm all for gay marriage. The bill is stupid. Who cares? Who cares? Having drag queens at the White House today for a party, which you're going to be at, Joe, that's important. But our youth dying from drugs, you son of a bitch, that's not important. That's not important. And this guy, Mayorkas, still has a job. Kevin McCarthy, all these Republicans are 100% right. They need to impeach this guy, not today, yesterday. He needs to be impeached, Mayorkas, yesterday. What's going on with this border is one of the scariest things I've seen. And if God is good to me, I'll be 56 in April. And then you get this Corrine Jean-Pierre, 
who may be the dumbest woman alive today. I'm serious. That says a lot. She may be the dumbest woman alive. I understand she's black and she's a female. She checks two of the boxes. Good for her. She's a moron. But she did finally admit yesterday that the immigration plan is an important issue. Lou Rapino played this. Corinne Jean-Pierre, the mouthpiece for the White House. This is cut number five. The first day of the president's administration, he put forth a, 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 a comprehensive immigration uh, reform bill because he understands how, how important this is. Uh, we have taken action. We have, uh, we have uh, given the D- Department of uh, Homeland Security uh, historic funding to deal with this very issue. And so we're going to continue to monitor this. Uh, like, as I mentioned, Mayorkas was down at the, at, uh, in El Paso uh, to talk to local officials uh, to, who have been great partners with us. And so, again, we're going to do the work, we're going to be prepared, uh, and uh, we're going to uh, make sure we have a, a humane uh, process moving forward. Where has this been the last two years, I'm just, or year and a half, whatever it is? I'm just curious. And, yeah, my orcas went to El Paso. So what? And Pete, you should be arrested, this guy, and so should you. At the presser yesterday, some reporter asked her about Title 42. Here was Corrine Jean-Pierre's response. Lou Rapino, cut number six. How concerned is the administration that there will be this unprecedented surge of migrants trying to come across the border once Title 42 goes away? So, look, um, as you know, um, uh, a lot of arms. I know you guys are all tracking this. Secretary Mayorkas is in El Paso today, and he's assessing operations, and he's speaking to the workforce down there. He's also meeting with local officials who have been in, who have uh, been incredibly important partners uh, as we rebuild our asylum system. The Department of Homeland Security is working to quickly what? decompress uh, what <laughs> we're seeing in the El Paso area, for example, and safety and uh, efficiently screen and process migrants to place them in immigration enforcement proceeding. Over the last 18 months, uh, DHS has deployed enhanced autom- automated processing system, automated sur- sur- surveillance towers, right. rescue beacons, and additional nice. personnel to the sector. In addition to that, CBP has deployed additional agents support the sector. Uh, that's on top of the mobile processing units, medical screening personnel, and nearly 1,000 border patrol yeah, processing coordinate- coordinators DHS already had deployed in the area. What a mess. I mean, she stated a lot of things going on there, but it's getting worse every day. You want the truth. You're not going to get the truth from Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, who's never gone, or Pelosi or Corinne Jean-Pierre. You want the truth. You listen to a hot gun-toting congresswoman out of the great state of Colorado, Lauren Boebert. She's going to tell you the truth. Here she is on the border crisis. Lewis, this is cut number eight. Under this administration's failed leadership, Customs and Border Patrol officers have been handcuffed by weak directives and horrific policies. Many of these agents have been assaulted and have even lost their lives due to Secretary Mayorkas's open border policies. Time to get rid of this guy. That's the bottom line. I know at least 20 Republicans have said once we take over the House in January, first order of business is to impeach Mayorkas. And there she was, Lauren Boebert, once again out of Colorado, saying the same thing yesterday. Let's impeach this bastard. Lauren Boebert, cut number nine. Secretary Mayorkas has refused to address this crisis, but we won't. He regularly lies to the American people, claiming that the southern border is closed. I've been there. It's wide open. 
Secretary Mayorkas has failed to enforce the laws on the books and the American people demand accountability for what is happening at the border. House Republicans are in the majority now and it's time that we act, not just speak about what is happening. And the impeachment of Mayorkas is the appropriate place to start. And while MSNBC is going on all morning long about the USA Today poll, which has Ron DeSantis right now up 23 points, 56 to 33 over President Donald Trump. Let's not forget when Trump was president, the great job he did with the border. It was closed, not open for business. Lauren Boebert makes the same point right here. Lou Rapino, this is cut number 10. Under President Trump, we had a secure border, and now we have a wide open border with millions crossing into our country. Many of them are criminals bringing in deadly drugs that are killing our children and are devastating our communities. Many of them are known terrorists and MS-13 gang members. All true. Lauren Bobert out of Colorado, terrific job. All right, still more to come this hour, including the Bill O'Reilly morning message and making his debut on Sitting Friends in the Morning, Jason Trenner. He's the chairman and CEO of Strategies Research Partners. He's a Larry Kudlow favorite. Take a moment right now, folks, in your cars or at home, and say a prayer for all the children that were killed 10 years ago today at Sandy Hook and their families. One of the worst days in the history of this country. God rest their souls. And God bless those families. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Wednesday, President Biden had just one item on his official schedule for Monday of this week an event for Toys for Tots in Arlington, Virginia. Now, I like Tots, having been one myself, and I certainly want them to get neat toys for Christmas. But maybe, perhaps, Mr. Biden could have squeezed a bit more into his work day. Last Friday, very quietly, the government announced that the collective personal wealth of Americans has dropped $7 trillion so far this year. That's our assets, not the swamps. That's bank accounts, investments, home values. Seven trillion down. Don't tell the tots. In addition, the stock market is off 25% this year. I don't know anyone buying stocks other than the crypto guy in the Bahamas. Yes, unemployment remains low. But real wages are falling as inflation vacuums up our cash. By all measures, the Biden economy is a mess, although millions of voters didn't seem to mind on Election Day. Joe Biden noticed that 
and immediately bellowed, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The voters like us. They really, really like us. So nothing will get fixed. Bank on that. That is, if there's anything left in your account. That is the Morning O'Reilly Update. More analysis later on. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. A lot of people believe Sid may be bordering on some sort of narcissism. Is there a danger by giving Sid national television exposure that you're sort of creating a monster that the rest of us who are in the hall with him on a daily basis then have to deal with? TV psychologist uh, Dr. Drew has also called me on this same issue about Sid's narcissism. And uh, it's something I played into. I don't feel good about. Uh, so, but he does excel. I excel. That's Brian Kilmeade and Frank Morano. Very funny conversation they had on Frank's terrific show last week. I've been on Brian Kilmeade's show, One Nation, Saturday nights at 8 p.m. on Fox News twice. And both times the ratings went through the roof. This is a statistical fact, and Brian Kilmeade tried to explain that to Frank. But Frank made me laugh this morning because every now and then he brings up something that does make me think about what I'm doing, my status, who I am, where I am. Frank, um, he's going to join me later with a bunch of folks from this station, John and Margo, I guess, I hope at least, Chad, George, Emily. We're having a lunch with the aforementioned Brian Kilmeade, some Christmas lunch, I don't know. And it's uh, later this afternoon. But Frank and I usually talk before the show because he gets off the air at 5 o'clock and he'll hang around for 20 or 30 minutes and talk with me and my crew. And then he goes back to Staten Island. Unless a day like tomorrow where he's going to co-host the 6 a.m. hour with me for the radio thon. He'll stick around. Ah, Philippe, good morning. Why does he call you that? That's not your name. Yeah, I've realized this. It's not my name. Have you told him that's not my name? No, I think he knows it's not my name. He he likes to, I don't, I don't know if you listen to his show, he likes to mispronounce things on purpose sometimes. Really? Yes, he likes to do that. Well, why don't you just tell him? Maybe he'll, he'll what is your actual name? Phil? Just Phil, right? That's a real question. I'm serious. You don't know what my name is. Is it I'm, Phil? I've been working with for half a year and you don't no, know. No, I know, I know you call yourself Phil, but yeah. Phil is sometimes short for Philippe, Philip. Yeah, sure, for Philip. Not Philippe. No, it's not Philippe. All right. Well, well just tell Frank it's not Philippe. Because now it's starting to annoy me. This, is, this is, does not need to be told to him. He knows he, that it's not Philippe. All right. Well, one of the conversations this morning was we've been getting inundated, bombed, if you will, with company emails about, like, this lunch today with Brian Kilmeade, the I, Radiothon tomorrow, a lot of stuff going on. I didn't get those emails. Oh, you on the email chain? Um, apparently not that one. Okay. Well, long story short, all these emails go to every personality's WABC radio email. Every personality here and everybody else, producers, salespeople, has an email at WABC radio. I don't have one. I mean, I have one. I'm on every one of these emails. I see them. Matt Meany, Chad Lopez. It says... Sid at WABCRadio.com, but I have not downloaded it yet uh, in the many years I've been here. But according to Frank, that goes on to show what a prima donna I am. 
and I explained to Frank it has nothing to do with being a prima donna. I just, I get very anxious. And if I see a lot of emails, I'm being serious. I'll have an, I'll have an anxiety attack. I'll, I just I freak out. And I can't deal with nonsense and meetings and all this stuff. So to avoid all that and make sure that you've got four hours of entertaining radio every morning, I refuse to download the company email because I can't get 30 emails a day about nonsense. It will literally give me an anxiety attack. Frank thinks that's prima donna. I'm telling you, it's mental health. You agree with that, Justin? <laughs> Who are you asking me if I agree with? I agree with Frank. You do? Yeah. Who asked you? I think you're full of, uh, what's Literally it called? Literally, you asked him. Malarkey. Sir, this goes back to the I, same thing. I think uh, the only reason you won't do it is because you don't want to do it, and you're lazy, and no, that's why you don't want to do it. I'm lazy? Nobody not, works harder than me at this whole I, station. Okay, well, if you let me finish my sentence, okay. in this particular instance, you are being lazy because it takes five minutes. No, it has nothing to do with being lazy. I don't, just, to do with, I don't I, want to get 19,000 emails about stuff that I is, just I don't, don't, I don't Honestly, give that is you true. an anxiety attack. I, I, it I just does. I can't explain it. I told you I'd set up the email for you. You're missing the point. It's not setting up it's the not email. It up, right. It's it's going. It's my phone buzzing every two seconds. I'm kind of with tell, him on that. You're telling me that Dominic Carter is doing this today and Rita Cosby is doing that today. I don't care. I get. I don't care. I'm kind of with you. I get so many expository emails a day that I just don't need. I can't do it. It's, but then you would know about stuff like. But then you would I, like I don't, know listen, about. Everybody you would know my, about Ethereum. That's everybody's sure. got my phone number. I know. When John and Chad need me, they text me. They call me. Yeah. All this stuff that I quote unquote would know about clearly is not that important because if I had to know about it, I would know about it. You're right. Yeah. So it's I'm not, not saying important. you're wrong. No. I'm not saying well, you're wrong. Kind of, it sounds to me like you're saying I'm wrong. No, I'm not at all. Half, half the emails I get from this place, I swipe and delete in two seconds because, that, I, because they don't matter. Well, that, so, that's but my they point. But they don't give me an anxiety attack well, okay. because I'm we're getting them. We're dipping in that respect. Yeah. They, they do give me one. I huh? just I just deleted mine. It's gone. So I don't have all to of it's gone. It. Yeah. Just, How many were there? The emails. Yeah. Oh, about seventeen hundred. No good. You deleted no, your no, whole no. email. That's yes. it. You can't, uh. you can't get me. Now. Well, it's actually That's funny. It's actually it. funny. So, it's actually funny. Lou says that because yeah. we have a a group email blast for our for our program that Lou has yet to be added I'm to. I'm still not on. So we get like we get yeah. emails about our show specifically, yeah. Yeah. and and Lou doesn't yeah. get that. Justin tells me. Uh, yeah. So you saw that thing from Matt? No. Well, like, well why like, would no. Matt mean he had your name to the list? He keeps saying that he that he has, and I believe yeah. him that he has. Maybe it's not like it's not taking. Maybe it's not sticking to the wall. I'm with you guys. The boss is not ready yet. I'm with you guys. I'm deleting my email. Just get rid of it. Just deleting it. The second thing. The second thing. The second thing that seemed to bother Frank this morning. Was a promo <laughs> that Justin literally just dropped off in front of me at the break and said, "Can you read this?" Coming back from the break, and I said, "Don't worry, we're going to talk about it during the next segment." So Frank started with the email, and then this, which is actually funny. Can you read this, Macedonia Bill? The promo that Justin Ellick wanted me to read at the beginning of this segment, please. 77 WABC listeners, you can now win a 77 WABC celebrating 100 years poster signed by morning show host Sid Rosenberg. <laughs> so, so you stop right there. So Morano goes, wait a second. This 100-year poster has about a 1,000 faces on it. I mean, you name it, John and Margot, obviously, and me and Bernard and Tony Orlando and Cousin Brucey, uh, Rita, I guess, Dominic, Greg. Everybody's on the poster. Curtis, why, why are they giving out posters with just your signature? Now, what do I say at that point? Do I go, because everybody knows that I run this station from a programming standpoint. I don't run it. Chad and John do that, but I'm the star. I'm the guy. You get, if I'm out of here, you're done. Shut the lights. 
Good night. Forget about it. Sorry, Frank. Should I say that? If I say that, yes. I come off like a dick. No, I come off like a dick. So I go. Oh. <laughs> so in, instead of saying it to Frank in private, you you say that on the yeah. airwaves. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't. I don't. Thousands no, no, and I, don't, thousands I don't mean that. But I'm just yeah, saying I right. could say that to Frank. And that would probably shut him. Maybe I do mean it. Yes, I do mean it. What do you mean? It's, it's, a, it's a blatant it is, fact. Of course you mean true. it. You yeah, totally mean yeah, no, it. Of course you mean it. There's no like, it's not an opinion. But you notice that people at the station, they love you. They're nice to you. But when the door is shut for a couple of seconds, they're like, well, hold on a second. Why does this guy not have an email? Why are they handing out posters with just his signature? Sit <laughs> this, sit that, sit this, sit that. So you think it's one big team effort. Everybody loves you. And it's clear, even one of my best friends, Frank Morano, one of my best friends, they hate me. No, they want you it's, to fail, of course. What, what, do you they think want you to fail, right? What do you mean they want me to If I oh, fail, sure. they're done. Well, they're done. Deep down, they do. They do, right? No, of course. Is that always the case in radio? Always? It's the case in life. It's the case in life. No, don't say that. It's the holiday season, Lou. That's no, very depressing. Not. No, it's not. Do you it's, actually think so we can't be realistic for like the next three weeks well, because I mean, it's the holiday season? Yeah, <laughs> yes. Realism goes out to. Of course we can't be realistic. We believe this Santa. Right, I'm, right. Lie to me at least for the. This is a holiday season. Everybody loves each other. You're telling me. Somebody tells you they got great news. Even one of your friends. Oh, I got promoted. You're Santa going. You son of a. I wanted that job. Are you kidding? Everybody hates that. I, I, hate, I hate when people do. Good things and, yeah. and have you do you and, have, and be yeah. happy. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I want to be the only person that has success that's right. ever. Deep yeah. down, yeah. well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well. if you heard <laughs> Bo Snurdly just like jumped in his ratings all the way up, and you and you come in and you're like, oh, well, he's Snirdly. getting mad. He's getting mad right now. Yeah, right. No, no, he's no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> You're all red. No, no, no. no. I, I would like to think. I would like to think it's, I'm somehow, a much bigger person than this that. Is, yeah, this, yeah, somehow this will come back around to you. I'd like, I'd like to think. Key That's word. what I'm thinking. I'd like, I'd like to think. Well, Bo Snurdly, of course, his numbers would have Fine. gone up due yeah. to the fact that I started a progression of the program. Oh, there's no a, question. Anybody right. who has success at this yes. station, right. whoever does, anyone, has to thank me. Well, anyone in the world that gets any type of success, <laughs> Sid whips out like, the chalkboard and starts uh, making equations as to how he <laughs> yes. started yes. it in some yes. way. Well, you know, I talked to them in 2004. It sounds, it, it sounds an awful lot like that narcissist, egomaniac, psycho that just announced he's running for president again in 2024, No, Donald Trump. He's another guy. I mean, nothing happens in the world today. Same person, right? Same person. Mm. And yet I criticized him for a full year. And here I am, not nearly as wealthy or as famous, but a lot like him in so many ways. Oh, which forget is, uh, it. He probably with... takes credit for like, you know, right. Lincoln's uh, administration. <laughs> yeah. with... One of the best presidents. I was there. <laughs> I was there. I, was there. <laughs> I wrote his speeches. One of the best speeches ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Four score in seven years. That's it. So I think this whole exercise in what was a great segment, fresh off of a, a real serious segment, Sandy Hook and, and the border crisis, I think uh, this 10-minute exercise, what we found out is is that Frank Morano is probably right. Well, yes? Of course he's what? right. What yeah, do you mean, of course he's right? Of course right. he's right. Yeah. He's right. Well, well, you're well, a prima donna. Just own up. Own it up. You know? why, why wouldn't other people sign the poster? True. Isn't, that, isn't there... So, 
I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Okay. If you buy a Mickey Mantle baseball card, it's worth a lot of money. If you buy a Ron Hodges baseball card, it's not worth any money. Sid, let me ask you something. Now now that this is already in place, that you're the only person with a signature, if they change this now and had everyone else sign it, how would you feel about it? I would take my name off the thing. Sure. I don't want any power on it. Listen, when they first told me I'm having six co-hosts tomorrow, I wasn't happy about that. I'm like, what are you talking about? I host the radio thon. What do you mean six people are coming in? I do the radio thon. I'm the guy that raises all the money. I raised Two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars last year. No, that was me. You're right. You're not a prima donna. Shut up. What was I thinking? Fine. If you saw your little <laughs> signature there, and then Vinnie Madunio's signature uh, okay. way big across, Here he goes. you'd go. What, what is this nonsense, Vinnie Madunio? Are you kidding above me? me? <laughs> above me? What? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? If he left, that would be still a station. If I leave, it's gone. I do happen to like Vinnie Madunio. Traffic and sports <laughs> are coming up next, and also while making his debut on the program, Jason Trenard. Very funny stuff, guys. Sit in. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. Got a call from my friend uh, Little Stevie yesterday, Stephen Van Zandt. He invited me to this unbelievable event that he does annually, Lewis. And it's this Tuesday night. It's a police event invites thousands of cops does it every year and uh, he's got gary u.s bonds there this year mighty max weinberg and his band oh, and don't tell mj that danielle and i are going to sit with stevie little stevie and his wife and mike sullivan and his wife and i'll tell you all about it stevie's going to come back on friday morning at 8 40 as we continue to provide the greatest guest in the country little steven van zandt coming up this friday but right now sitting in front of me making his debut on this show and very handsome, I have to say, very handsome, is uh, a gentleman named Jason Trenner. Jason is a chairman and a CEO of a big-time research company, a Wall Street guy, regular guest on CNBC, Bloomberg, Fox Business. Larry Kudlow loves this guy, so he's got to be smart. And the first thing Jason said to me when he walked in was, I'm a huge fan, and my response was, now you can stay. Good morning. Nice to meet you, pal. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Nice to have you, too. You've been listening to this show or my days at the fan. When did you become a uh, fan and of And then also, not, I don't know what it was like to work for, but, uh, you know, but I'm a, yeah. back in the uh, late 70s, and then I, I saw your whole career. And oh, it's been cool. amazing, and now Thank I'm you. listening to the show, and and also not to... You know, I just want to express my condolences for Bernie's yeah, passing. Has uh, also been a big fan of Lou, the whole gang. The whole so crew. It's, it's great to be here. Thank well, nice you. to have you. We are coming to you live this morning. Now that you mentioned it, my second time I mentioned it today from the Bernard, uh, Bernard McGurk Studios. So, if you were listening an hour ago, you would have heard my friend Ron Insana. I did. You know Ron? I do, Ron. I have do you Ron. worked together at CNBC at all? Yep. Okay. When he, when he was there, he was he was among the first guys to have me on, you know, 25 years ago. Right. Like that, He's so. been there f- from day one, basically. Very, very smart guy. And All we right. spent much of the conversation talking about the top story in today's New York Post and really the big news story in the world today, and that is the arrest of Sam Bankman-Fried down in the Bahamas. If you listen to me with Ron, you heard me say, for everyday people, which I still am, I'm not a millionaire, uh, this story doesn't mean much to us. This is uh, rich kids playing with a lot of money. People who get involved in crypto and have millions and billions of dollars. Doesn't really affect my guy here, Phil, who makes about, you know, $10 an hour. Um, and Ron agreed. He said, you're right. It's not really a Main Street story, but it could have been. What are your thoughts on the Freed arrest? Well, I think 
Uh, listen, I think uh, Ron is absolutely right, and I think the, the point that Ron was making is that this hasn't been completely integrated into the financial system. Uh, there's probably more things we're going to learn as this goes on, but by the same token, this really hurt people that were, let's face it, speculating. And you feel bad for them that they lose money, but you know it's just like anything else. Uh, if there's, uh, if it seems too good to be true, it, it probably is. And it, what's remarkable are the, in my opinion, are the institutional investors, the Sequoias, the big private equity firms, the big Wall Street firms. They got snookered by this guy as well. So it wasn't just the people buying his oh, wow. his tokens, but it was the people that provided him capital, and that that's actually kind of stunning given the amount of money that. These right. Guys use. Not only that, but we've seen this before. You would think they'd be so cautious now after a Bernie Madoff, after Elizabeth Holmes. You think they'd be so cautious. But I want to go back to what Denzel Washington said in the movie Philadelphia when AIDS was a new thing. And he was talking to somebody at Tom Hanks firm. And he said, talk to me like I'm a first grader. This issue, I'm a first grader. Yeah. So this guy, this Sam Bankman Freed, he reaches out to the banks. They reach out to him. And how does he sell it? What does he say? Well, so he's uh, he's largely selling this uh, new technology called blockchain, which, frankly, a lot of people can't really figure out what that is either. But it, theoretically, it should make things easier to contracts and all the rest of it. But then largely people just started uh, buying and selling it, even though there was no there, there was nothing behind it. There are no cash flows behind it. There's no when real you value. Say it, you mean FTX? F- FTT is his FTT. token. And there's all these, as as uh, Ron pointed out earlier, I think there's like there's something like 10,000. Uh, 12,000 12, cryptocurrencies. Crypto right. And they're really not worth anything. They're, I mean, they're, they're people really just trading them among themselves. Well, if you're saying that, you know that, and all these banks and institutions know that, why would anybody get involved in, in millions or billions of dollars? Did this guy have such a great sale that he was going to double your money or triple your money? They just couldn't help themselves? How do you know that in this day and age when there's corruption everywhere? Yeah, no, it's greed. And, it's, and, and listen, it's as old as humanity uh, itself. And people were interested in this because it was going up and people know, you know, so it goes up. People say there's got to be some value there. I want to get in. People were getting rich very quickly and there's nothing kind of makes you feel worse almost than to see a friend get rich right. and you're not, you're not involved. Oh, and, I that's, hate that. and that's what, and that's what happens <laughs> with these. This is exactly what happened. So if he would have called you Sam Bankman free right. said, Jason, you're a sharp guy. You're on yeah. CNBC, you're on Fox news. Right. You know, the markets, you know about cryptocurrencies Give me a million dollars today. I'll make that a million, five million in, uh, I don't know, 30 days. You would have said what? No way. No way. Yeah, and listen, I made plenty of... Uh, been doing Anthony the, Scaramucci I've, did it. He did it. Um, you know, and I know Anthony too, and, and there's a business opportunity there. I'm not saying there is not a business opportunity, but in my opinion, it's not worthy of speculation now because, again, there's no underlying uh, value. I've made plenty of other investment mistakes, in my, so I don't, I'm no genius, but there's uh, there's a lot of people that have shied away from this. Jamie Dimon, right, called it essentially a pet rock, right? These these things, are they're no different than some other just is, inanimate. Is, is he Morgan Stanley? He's J.P. Morgan. J. P. I'm sorry, Morgan. he's the CEO yes. of, uh, of right. J.P. Morgan. So right. there are a lot of people that have been around a while that have seen a few of these things and and and, and knew that it could it couldn't be what it says. It said, they said it was because yeah. it was too good yeah. to be true. Ron said that um, in the history of these types of things, and we're about to make a movie together called The Tank Job about Tito DeAngelis. Oh, yeah. And what he did in 1963, we're going to start shooting now in April in Canada. I've got a pretty big role, actually. I, but he said in the history of these things, 
Uh, this is clearly top five. Now, we know that because of the money, but we have to t- take into account that it is 2022. So it's a lot more money than would have been in right. 1963. But all that being equal, do you agree this may be at the very top of the list? I, I do because uh, I do because it did take in some sophisticated investors that invested in his firm. And I, I mentioned some of the private equity firms that I mentioned before. Also, I think the political implications uh, are pretty widespread. I, I, one thing I didn't disagree, I didn't agree with Ron about, to be honest with you, is that from the things I've seen, the political contributions are much more to Democrats than well, they were. Nice. Uh, not, that, not only that, much that, more, all to Democrats. Yeah, I, mean, I like, think Ron yeah, made that up. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've, you know, it's like 39,800,000 uh, to, to Democrats yeah. and like 200,000 to Republicans, something yeah. like that. So in that regard... I, I think it's bigger because, and and you look at the who is this guy sitting next to? He's sitting next to J Lo. He's sitting next to Maxine Waters. He's sitting next to Giselle. He said, you know, this guy kind of integrated himself yeah. into the culture. Yep. And a lot of people bought into it. Now he'll be sitting next to Bubba. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna go yeah, now, yeah. Sammy. That's, that's right. Better still. You know, I saw him take the walk, the perp walk, right, in Nassau, which is a gorgeous place. I love Nassau. I love, I love the Bahamas, but yeah. we all love Nassau, Paradise Island. And he's wearing like a blue sport jacket and a button-down shirt. Right. He looks like some rich kid who got himself into trouble. He ain't never getting out this guy, right? I mean, this is this is going to be. They have him on like a thousand counts. Yeah, I've never. I don't know if I've ever seen this many uh, securities violations on like one person uh, before. <laughs> and so, and I mean, he could claim that it's just he was he just made a mistake. I don't know if you saw him at the New York Times uh, Deal Book conference. He said, "Well, you know, I had a bad month." <laughs> and you say, well, that's kind of an understatement. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. a bad month. You know, some people, bad month, like, you know, you you bang up your car or right. something. This guy right. lost billions of dollars. And he's going to jail forever. He's going to go to jail for yeah. a long time. This is uh, Jason Trenard, folks, the chairman and CEO of Strategies Research Partners, a very sharp Wall Street guy, television star, handsome. He's got it all. He's got a nice watch, too. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> I didn't Thanks, notice sir. that, Jack. Thank you. Thanks, uh, sir. I want to talk about inflation. Biden made the point yesterday that it's going down and it'll go down and in about 2027. <laughs> we should be okay. Uh, somebody asked me a couple of days ago, these interest rates, and I'm not an economist like you are, when are they going down? Well, I was told that they will not go down until inflation gets closer to 2% instead of where it is now at 8%. Inflation, when's it going to get better? Yeah, listen, it's starting to get better now, uh, but it's going to take a long, in my opinion, it's going to take a long time. It is going to take a couple years. of years. Years, years, because there are structural things. Um, not all of them are, I would say, Joe Biden's fault. Some of them are just life. I mean, we dumped so much money into the economy during uh, during the pandemic. And frankly, that was kind of the original sin that you've the Fed greatly increased the amount of loans it made to, to Wall Street. Uh, there was a lot of fiscal stimulus that was put in by the federal government. We're working through all of that. The, the biggest mistake the administration is making, in my opinion, is that we're completely focused on environmental policies as opposed to having a robust energy yeah. policy. So that's something that's an easy fix. And, you know, you have to eat before you can dream, right? I mean, you, it's, it's, I mean, people need to, to get from one day to the next in terms of how much they spend on gas for their car, or heating their homes or all the rest. Of it. And then it has a big impact on other commodities like, uh, like food as well. You know, if natural gas prices go up, food prices go up. So that's one of the easiest things we can do. But there are other things, there are structural problems that we have, too. There's, believe it or not, a big shortage of workers. There's probably about, probably about four or five million people short in the workforce, and that's, that's forcing wages up. And that's hard to root out of the system. Wages tend to be sticky. They don't move around like goods can go up and down. 
once people get paid a certain amount, it tends to stay tends to stay there. Now, Jason, the Trump detractors have said to me on this show that, you know, you spend a lot of money. You've got inflation. You've got economic issues. The administration, the Trump detractors say, hey, Trump spent a fortune of money. Don't kid yourself. It's not like Trump didn't spend money and Biden is. Trump spent a fortune. Is that true? It is true. Uh, and and the, to me, again, going back to the what's the original sin, in my opinion, and this might drive people crazy. I'll probably get you'll get hate mail on my behalf. <laughs> I don't care. I love but it. I get it every but, day anyway. <laughs> but I think uh, I think, you know, shutting the economy down in retrospect was probably one of the biggest public policy errors of all time. And what the only economic choice you could make once you make that decision is to flood the system with money. And Donald Trump did that. President Trump did that. Um, I would say uh, President Biden put some stank on it because he put another <laughs> he put another two trillion dollars. The first thing he did a month into his presidency, put another two trillion dollars into the economy. And then you're doing these other things that are making it hard for for businesses to operate with with the pandemic and all the rest of it. So but I think it's you know it's a bipartisan issue. But the, the big issue to me uh, is that you shut down the economy in the first yeah. place. Yeah. Which wasn't his fault, though. No, I mean, I think that the, 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 in retrospect, it's easy to criticize the man in the arena, but the, the problem. He didn't want to shut it down. He, he made it very, it very clear, right? But the thing is, to his know, credit. But they shut it down for two years, two and a half years. I mean, like, you know, it's one thing, maybe three weeks, two weeks, uh, you know, four weeks, a uh, couple months. That, that makes sense. But I think it was very clear, I, I think, at a certain point that um, you would try to focus on protecting the people that were most vulnerable and let everyone else kind of go on with their lives. And and that became a big political issue, as we know. We're finding out from Twitter, there were a lot of there was a lot of news or a lot of opinions that were very valid, Great Barrington Declaration, that were suppressed. And so, listen, the definition of money, the simplest definition of, of inflation, rather, is too much money chasing too few goods. And that's precisely what we did. Uh, we flooded the system with liquidity, with money, at a time when you couldn't really spend the money. You could only spend it basically by being at home or spending it on crypto. Or, right, but you couldn't right. go out to dinner. You couldn't right. do all None the rest of that of stuff. It, so, right. yeah. By the way, Anthony Scaramucci just texted me. It's kind of funny. 30 seconds to go. When can we expect the recession to arrive? I think I think we're in the early stages of it now, and I think you're going to have a recession in 2023 and, and maybe into 2024. I hate to say that. But it's, it's going to be pretty hard to avoid, given what the Fed is doing. Fed's going to probably raise rates today by half a half percent. A percent yeah. right? so, um, and rates have gone up, as you know, tremendously. Uh, and inflation may be coming down, but it's still over 7%. And that has a big impact on companies and on people. So I don't know. I, unfortunately, I think next year is going to be a rough year, too. All right. Listen, now I know what Larry Kudlow meant, and now I know why you're a big star on CNBC and Fox News and all these other networks, because you're great. Thank you. It's uh, great to meet you. Great to meet you. you. It's an honor. You sound great. It's an honor to me to have you here, too. So keep coming back, okay? Uh, Anytime. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. My man, there he is, folks, Jason Trenert. You can check him out on CNBC, Bloomberg, Fox Business. Clearly a brilliant Wall Street mind, and what a great day to have him. Thank you again, Jason. Still to come, Congressman Peter King will join us next hour, and then... The day before our Tunnel to Towers Radiothon, the face of 9-11, and one of the greatest New York Mets of all time, my good buddy John Franco. He'll be here at 925. The second half of Sid and Friends in the Morning on this Wednesday is coming up right after this. Is Sid and friends in the morning. Friends who say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oh, boy. Boy.
vital step toward equality, toward liberty and justice, not just for some, but for everyone, everyone. Toward creating a nation where decency, dignity, and love are recognized, honored, and protected. Today, I sign the Respect for Marriage Act in the law. The previous ideas of universal uh, 3K and pre-K did not account for children with disabilities. It was just wrong. It was unfair and it was wrong. By this spring, all of our special education students in pre-K and 3K will have the supports they need to flourish both in the classroom and in life. There are a lot of legal problems that are piling up. I alluded to a couple of them. There's the investigation of the classified documents in Mar-a-Lago. There's the investigation of efforts to overturn the 2020 election, the recent conviction for criminal tax fraud. There's the ongoing civil case by the state attorney general, on and on and on. Which of these do you think Donald Trump is most worried about and why? I think that the documents case is the one that worries him. It ties directly to him. That's the one that presents, I think, the gravest risk to him. part about playing this song in the air tonight by Phil Collins is it takes too long to get to the drum solo. <laughs> the Mike Tyson. Which I love. Yeah. It's like one of the great drum solos. Such a great song. Phil Collins in the air tonight as we start hour number three, the second half of this Wednesday edition, hump day edition of Sid and Friends in the morning here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. We've had a great show already. Ron and Santa, CNBC, and Jason Trenert, Fox News, CNBC, Bloomberg, discussing this Sam Bankman-Fried arrest. And uh, Anthony Scaramucci will join us on Friday. Friday, we've got a great show already. We've got uh, Joe Tacopina. We've got Anthony Scaramucci. We've got the star of the E Street Band and Silvio Dante from The Sopranos. Little Stevie, Stevie Van Zant, and Chris Russo. So far on Friday, that's, that's a heck of a show, my hey, God. Hey, listen, you're not getting better than Stephen Van Zant. <laughs> uh, that's why he's coming on that day, because Stevie's going to be here. And tomorrow, of course, is uh, is our annual holiday radiothon. May as well read this uh, while I touch on that, the uh, promo for tomorrow. 
Let me get past a promo that has me signing the poster. The holidays are here, folks, and it's time to help to make a difference. This holiday season, Talk Radio 77 WABC is teaming with my friend Frank Seller and the fine people at the Tunnel to Towers Foundation for our annual holiday radiothon. Comes your way tomorrow, 6 to noon, 6 hours. I'll be hosting all six with a different co-host every hour. Six of your favorite WABC hosts, which include Rudy Giuliani, Andrew Giuliani, Dominic Carter, Rita Cosby, Frank Morano, and Curtis Sliwa will all sit in with me for an hour apiece tomorrow. Our hope is that we raise a ton of money to the America's military and first responder heroes and their families this holiday season. Now, you don't have to wait till tomorrow, folks. I've been saying this for days. You can donate right now. I mean, donate tomorrow be part of the whole six-hour gig, but you can donate right now. Donate more than once. All you got to do is donate $11 a month or more. Go to wabcradio.com slash donate. That's wabcradio.com slash donate. Happy holidays, of course, and thank you from all of us at 77 WABC and our friends at Tunnel to Towers. What are you smiling about, Lou? What are you reading that's... Um, I'm reading a text from MJ too late. She said, uh, tell Sid Quartermain is the general hospital family. Yeah, that, that we was, got that. I didn't look at my phone yeah. for two hours. Tell your girlfriend that uh, Kennedy got assassinated. Okay. She was trying to be helpful. but <laughs> Oh, you know, look, oh my, look how defensive <laughs> you I'm are saying. about your lovely little MJ, who I happen to love. Well, but... I know she's listening right now, so I have to be good. Yeah, you're always good, though. No, not really. Well, in front of me, you are. There is so many. Back to the song for a second. You know, yeah. there's a lot of great stories about that Phil Collins song. Give me one. That, that none of these happen to be true, and I'm sure Frank Diaz would jump up and try to correct me. But there was one where he – there was a story that uh, it was a guy that attacked his wife, and then he fell into this uh, pool, and he started drowning. That's one of the stories. Who uh, saved Phil him? Co- yeah. Who saved him? His wife? I don't, I don't Unlike know Unlike Bill Shatner, saved. who let his wife drown in the pool. No, but it wasn't the wife. It was the guy who attacked his <laughs> yeah, wife. Yeah, there's something, Allegedly. something about the guy who saw someone drown right. and yeah. didn't save them. And Phil Collins saw them. But that's not real. It's that's not, not real. It's not real. And then the guy in, found him at a show. Or the guy found Phil Collins at a show and told him. What does that have to do with the song? I don't understand. But it's in the Nothing. lyrics. Oh, it's in the lyrics. Okay. Yes. I saw you. You're drowning. I, you know, I already drowned. It's about his divorce, is it not? Yes, it's, it's a lot of divorce. the album is directed at his first wife trying to get back together again gotcha. with her. That's yeah. what it is. So, by the way, while you're talking, why was it that yesterday, not that yesterday is any different than any other day, because I get about, I don't know, five texts a day from Curtis. It's about right, five a day. But yesterday, every text was an I hate Phil text. He actually said, I had to, I had to yell at him, enough. he actually said, and I quote, I hope Phil gets mugged. Oh. I swear to God, because you live in, uh, what horrible part of Brooklyn you live in again? Bushwick? Yeah, Bushwick. He's like, I hope he gets mugged and raped on the subway. I mean, oh, horrible. I swear to God. That is a disgrace. I know. What did, what did you Shonda, do? if you a ask Shonda. me. What did you do to Curtis yesterday that got him so angry? He said you defended me or something. I don't, I, I don't know if I did. I just kind of um, I kind of just, you know, do my job. And Curtis, but he yeah. said you defended me. Is that true? Because if you did, good for you. I mean. No. No, no. no. God, no. God, no. I didn't defend <laughs> you. <laughs> I, know, I couldn't believe that either. No, no. I, I, I don't think I did anything out of the ordinary. I think I just did, you know, my regular job. Regular, regular shift. Curtis okay. just has his fetish with uh, me getting mugged on the subway on, on my way here for some reason. He is kind of obsessed with that, yes. <laughs> he, he likes the idea. Yeah. Honestly, like from a third person. Like if I didn't know me, 
or if I wasn't me, it would be kind of funny. You know, some kid at work just gets mugged on his way to. Well, I got news for you; it's still kind of funny. Yeah, and I do I know, know you. you. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> listen, that's that's why I kind of, I'm not even like mad at it. It would be kind of funny. Hey, Deb, would you put that in the news if uh, Macedonia Phil got mugged in Bushwick? Would that make the news? You think? <laughs> I don't know. She's I don't know. Back to answer. Oh, she's going. She said no. It oh, I got, if I I got, got a no. no from Deb Valentine. No. No. Okay, let's get Deb on the mic. Here she is, our very professional news lady. Every morning does a spectacular she job. Was until now. Deb, uh, you would not put the mugging of Macedonia Phil in the news. It depends upon how badly he was injured. Right. If I got stabbed, right. it probably it might make it. Right, there, but, it, but it, you know, with but, the crime statistics being what they are in New York City. <laughs> You know, there are a lot of shootings. There are a lot of, you know, even though they're beginning to fall in in some of the major crime industry categories, things like this happen every day. Right. But he's a, a valued member of our radio station. Well, he he's absolutely is. I'm not disputing that one yeah. bit. But you wouldn't put him in. Well, it's funny you bring up the crime numbers. I, I'm, I'm not going to put it on the news that okay. a woman had her purse stolen or something like right, that. I mean, right. it's got to be. We, we but if the, try but to if concentrate the, but, on the major But stores. if the woman was Margot Katz-Matidis or Emily Pankow, you would think it would make the news. No, I mean. Well, that's absolutely different. Well, then why, why is that different than Phil? He, he works here. He, we're um, all equals here, are we not? Not really, oh. no. Oh. No. According to Deb, clearly you're not equal. No. Not me, even like you, you, have to, you have to be murdered to make the news, basically. Or stabbed a few You know, that's, that's, that's where <laughs> yeah. I'm going to strive in life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard so I can make it off not dying. Well, Deb made the point that some of the major crime stats are down. She's right. Murders and shootings are down. Everything else is way up. Just, you know, assault, battery, attacks on Asians, attacks on Jews, subway attacks. So there is a story in today's New York Post. On page six. Thank you, Deb. Cats in a corner. That's cat cat with a cane, not C, like my good buddy John Katsimatidis. New Yorkers, governor fails us on crime and rents. So they asked a bunch of New Yorkers yesterday, the day before, how is Kathy Hochul doing? They said, um, well, this is nationally. They asked about how you think, uh, did, did Governor Hochul make communities safer from crime. This is a bad number for her. 58% said no. 22%, and who these people are, only God knows. It's got to be her relatives. 22% said she's made New York safer. 58% said no, she hasn't. The next question was, did Governor Hochul make New York State a place where people want to live and not leave, 55% no, I'm leaving. 28% people like me said, I'm going to stay. Those are bad numbers, folks. 55% I'd rather leave than stay. 58% she hasn't made it safer. And then Michael Goodwin in today's New York Post takes a shot at my friend, Mayor Eric Adams. He calls him a rookie. And says that Adams has made a bunch of rookie mistakes. I actually read the whole column. And he says, you know, Adams, because he endorsed Kathy Hochul and because he talks nicely about people on the left, they feel like they can just kick him around. So when he goes to Albany and they slam the door in his face and say, hey, Eric, go back to Brooklyn. You're done here. He doesn't have a recourse. He can't fight back. So Goodwin was saying Adam's rookie mistake was, you know, don't fall in love with these people. Don't let Albany slam the door in your face without causing a big stink. Yell, scream, make a big deal. Don't endorse Kathy Hochul right away because she's a Democrat. 
And I have to tell you that I told Eric Adams all of these things at dinner. Everyone that knows me, they know one thing. I hate rats. Michael Goodwin wrote about it today, but I said all of these things to the mayor at dinner, and he still enjoyed it and wants to do it again. But he's right. The mayor has made some rookie mistakes. I still feel like his heart is in the right place. Actually, he ended the column, kind of interesting, when you talk about the power that Eric Adams has or doesn't have. And I've told people this, the mayor really does not have a lot of power. Here's the, uh, the end of the column. He says, power is all that matters. And right now, Adams doesn't have much. And he's right. It's the legislators in Albany. It's Kathy Hochul. They run the show. Eric Adams wants to improve things here in New York, but he can't unless he has them on his team. And he tried to be nice, and it didn't work. So it may be time for the mayor to bump ugly with some of these people up in Albany if he wants to get anything done. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Lydia reports coming up next. Then you get my man, Congressman Peter King. Always a great conversation. And then at 925, kind of the appetizer for tomorrow's Radiothon. One of the all-time great New York Mets, my good buddy John Franco. He'll be here at 925. Keep it right here. Sitting friends in the morning. Lou Dobbs Business Report is coming up next. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Stocks yesterday moving higher. All the major indexes finishing higher for a second straight day yesterday. Inflation cooling more than economists had forecast. Fed Chair Jerome Powell likely to announce another interest rate hike today. Wall Street expecting a 50 basis point increase. The market is more likely to react to Powell's commentary today. Higher prices have shoppers spending less so far this holiday season. A recent Gallup poll shows the average consumer has cut their Christmas budget by about $60. It's the first time since the pandemic that consumers have trimmed their holiday spending. Apple reportedly planning to allow other app stores on the iPhone and iPad. Developers have long said Apple's slice of digital profits is too hefty. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. This report is sponsored by the Seafire Grill. So once Title 42 ends, that's the Trump-era restriction on the border where basically we were allowed to turn away migrants based on the idea of like, hey, we don't want COVID in the country, but that's set to expire. And so even the Biden administration is admitting that it's going to be complete chaos and the influx of migrants at the border once Title 42 expires will be out of control. So their flow estimation predicts between 9,000 and 15,000 migrant crossings a day once Title 42 ends. And just for some context, the average for the fiscal year of 2022 
there were about 2.3 million migrant crossings, which was about 6,500. So we're going to see double that when this Title 42 expires. Governor Gavin Newsom of California said he basically announced he was running yesterday because he went to the border, but he didn't go to meet the border agents. He didn't even go to see the camps or or anybody else. He just went down there to say, look, Kamala, I actually came to the border where you didn't. And take a listen to hear what he said to ABC News. People are going to fall through the cracks. Young kids are going to be out there sleeping on the sidewalks. A lot of people are going to be exploited. Uh, communities are going to feel overwhelmed and disrespected in the process. Uh, poor souls here legally. Remember, all these folks that are coming through, all of them are here legally. They're going through a system that we design and we set up, and we are not processing uh, at the scale we need to process. And right now you've got whack-a-mole. See, Gavin Newsom says it because he wants to beat Biden and these folks. I mean, he yep. runs for president. But you yep. start out the conversation by saying the White House is admitting, no, they're not. Uh, Joe Biden said just last week that that uh, uh, right now the crisis is not his biggest problem. Just yesterday, Corrine Jean-Pierre told Peter Ducey and everybody else that Mayorkas is in El Paso, Texas right now. He's monitoring the situation. They've got the situation under control so I'm not sure you heard or read that, but the administration is not, which is very, very disappointing. They're not admitting that even with Title 42 going away, they've lost control of this. Well, they're requesting $4 billion more in aid, $2 billion for additional funding for Customs and Border Protection, as well, that, well as $2 uh, that, billion for Immigration that, and that's, Customs that's, that's Enforcement. Different. That's, different than admitting, they, that's different than admitting you've lost control, which they have not done, and they have lost no, control. No, no, no. Once Title 42 expires, they're, I, think, I think they recognize that it's going to be out of control, and the fact that they're asking for another $4 billion now, $4 billion, once Title 42 expires. But yeah, you're 100% right. They never... They still won't say there's a crisis, whereas Gavin Correct. Newsom says it's a, a crisis. They still, of course, but behind the scenes, I think they have to recognize and see what Governor Gavin Newsom said. People, a lot of people don't realize he's right because he, they are coming here legally, the majority of them. You know, not all of them, because you have people being smuggled in by the cartels and all these other things, which and then you have the gotaways, a lot of terrorists and all these other sex offenders and uh, human traffickers coming in. However, most of the people coming in, they are coming in legally because our system is broken. They're coming in through those port of entries because we basically don't have a border anymore. So they're just walking on over. And I don't understand. Maybe, Sid, you know. Why don't they just put up the wall instead of asking no, for $4 billion no, no, and all these no, other no, things? No, no, no. Just put up a wall and fix no. the immigration system. They can't do that because that's what Trump wanted to do, and it worked for Donald Trump. And Joe Biden's no. presidency has been very, very clear. Whatever Donald Trump did, even if it worked, right. and most of the stuff that Donald Trump did worked, I'm going to do the complete opposite, even if it means losing our country, which we're doing. I mean, this president yesterday sat there. As if he was saving the world, signing this stupid yes. Respect Marriage Act bill, which we're already, it's already, and I'm, I'm pro, pro uh, gay marriage, I'm pro choice. It's already in place. Yes. They have this ridiculous paranoia that Clarence Thomas and the Supreme Court is going to make gay marriage go away, even though it's not going to happen. This guy sat there yesterday like he was saving the world while another, I don't know, 5,000 kids will die from fentanyl overdoses yesterday because Mallorca is at a restaurant in El Paso, Texas, and no one's doing anything about it. 
You're 100% right. An average about 300 people a day die from a fentanyl overdose. That's like if a major airliner went down every single day. And to what you're saying about that grand old ceremony, do you know a, a drag queen, a lot of drag queens were invited to the Biden ceremony. And one of the drag queens is a guy named Marty G. Cummings. He is a drag queen that President Biden, he invited. He once performed for a two-year-old boy. I'm not even going to say what he actually sang once um, about kids and about a sexual innuendo. This guy's a freak. He's a loser. He actually tried to run for city council in New York. He now made his his uh, Twitter private because of all the disgusting things he put out there. But yeah, you're right. Instead of uh, focusing on the border crisis, instead of focusing on the fentanyl, homelessness, and all these other crises that are spiraling out of control, he held this grand old ceremony saying, yeah. look, I'm saving the world. I'm legalizing yeah. and, gay and, marriage. And let me tell no you one about, was going to uh, touch gay yeah. marriage or interracial right, marriage. Nobody, right. So the drag queen thing, so uh, my friend and yours, Margaret Joseph, one of the big stars of Real Housewives of New Jersey. She was on last week, and uh, she, went, she had some uh, Christmas She was there. Party. I saw the video. Correct. She so, was there. Correct. I, yeah. So she, she was going on and on about her Christmas party. She was on with me last week, and we got a drag queen. I go, I'm glad the drag queen is at your Christmas party, but keep that person away from our kids in school. She disagreed, and she was going to come in yesterday for an hour and explain to me why drag queens are harmless and they're entertaining and it's good for the kids. And she sent me a text two nights ago. I'm on the way to the White House, so I can't make it. And I think she thought I was going to say, wow, that's really cool. And instead I said, better you, not me. Ooh. And let me tell you something, too. So they allow drag queens in schools. My daughter, I got a letter from her school to public school, Westchester County. They said, listen, we're only going to say holidays and we're not allowed to have Santa come to school. And I found out that this is basically the norm around all of the schools, around all the public schools. So they'll allow, well, not in Westchester. I haven't heard about any drag queens, but at least in the city, I've done stories when I worked for Fox 5. They won't allow Santa Claus in school but they will allow drag queens in the school. So that is not hyperbole there, but that's how messed up of a world we have right now under this administration, under any kind of democratic administration, to be honest with you. But we have to end this report. This report is sponsored by the Seafire Grill. Great restaurant, very cozy atmosphere right there in Midtown Manhattan. Really good drinks as well. Freshest seafood, the best service. Check it out, theseafiregrill.com. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Mm-hmm. Tony Anastas walks in with Chad Lopez. He goes, Sid. He goes, I got to tell you, I listen to you every morning. You're amazing. I said, wait a second. You're Ernie Anastas. You're telling me I'm amazing? He goes, Sid, every morning. You're amazing. I swear to God. Right in front of Chad. Wow. That's a big day. It is huge. Phil, if uh, you really cared about me in the show, you would stab yourself. All right, I'm looking for a pair of scissors right now. Audie Lang stabbed himself 12 times once. He actually tried to kill himself. It's not funny. 12 times, not once. Yeah, 12 times. But um, I had asked Deb Valentine earlier if uh, Phil was mugged because Curtis Sleeva wants Phil to get mugged one day. Really bad. Yeah. If he was mugged, would she put it in the news? And she was reluctant to say yes. She's like, well, it depends. You know, there's a lot of crime out there, and, well, if you got stabbed, she said she'd put you on the news, so That's fair. you should stab yourself and, and use it as a kind of an experiment and see 
if she does, in fact, mention you tomorrow, go home today and don't, don't hit an artery, don't do something stupid, but stab yourself. You do realize now if, if I... Do it carefully. You, know, you do realize now if, I, if on my way home today I get mugged and stabbed, no. it's going to look bad for me, right? Tomorrow people are going to be like, you're fake. It'll look worse for me. Because I'm actually asking you to do it to yourself if it sure, actually I happens. On you. I would, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, if it happens tomorrow, no one's going to care at all. <laughs> no one's going to care. Right, it's a radiothon tomorrow. So I really got to worry no. like, today. Cause I'm it has to happen get, today, yes. Bad enough I'm going to get stabbed. I'm not even going to get any sympathy. And so, so I get this text moments ago from Bo Deedle. He goes, hey, Sid, did you get an invite to Mar-a-Lago for Donald Trump's Christmas party? <laughs> I got an invitation. <laughs> I thought he didn't make a move without you, Bo. And this is why... Every time Peter King and Bo Deedle come on the show now, I have to deal with reams and reams of messages from folks that hate both of those guys because they feel like they stabbed Donald Trump in the back, even though neither one did. I'm on record defending both of them. Both admit he was a great president, but they bring up their points. But these days, even a poll today, USA Today, Ron DeSantis is up 23 points on Donald Trump. So clearly, Peter King and Bo Deedle are not alone. But, Peter, you do realize that every time you post now on Facebook or all those wonderful posts you do, Instagram, a lot of the messages are nasty because you don't uh, profess your love for Donald Trump. Yeah, Sid, I, I disagree with that analysis. I think I'm becoming unpopular because I'm on your show. <laughs> I mean, I think that, uh, you know, this is like guilt by association. Uh, but I still like I Trump. No, it can't be. I still like Trump. <laughs> That's what Bill said no. earlier. <laughs> no, actually, I actually said you're amazing. How's that? Uh. <laughs> Listen, uh, Bo Deedle and I, uh, again, we share this. Uh, I have great regards for President Trump. When he was president, I worked closely with him. Uh, he was very good to me personally. When I had illness in the family, he reached out. I went to the boxing matches with him at the Square Garden. I was with a number of t- uh, times with him on Air Force One. And, you know, those are just personal. But as far as governmental... He came into Long Island, and he was the one who uh, stopped MS-13. They had had 25 murders in 18 months. Once he got involved, and he really got involved heavily with all the uh, apparatus of the federal government, uh, there's not been one murder by MS-13 in what was my congressional district in the last five years. So, no, he did an excellent job, but sometimes you can wear out your welcome, and starting uh, with the fact how he wouldn't concede the last election keeps that going two or three years, and it's always some side issue. Rather than talking about his key achievements, he's still talking about whether you know, votes were stolen in Detroit. Uh, now, yesterday, he's suing uh, you know, the Pulitzer Prize Committee for the uh, giving out the uh, prizes for the uh, Russia hoax investigation. By the way, he's 100% right. That was a disgrace, that Russia investigation. But him just making a lawsuit out of it makes it all personal. And you know, there's so much he could be talking about and discussing, but it always comes back to him. And that, to me, is uh, it's going to hurt him in the election. Now, I agree. I think DeSantis would be a strong candidate right now. But we don't know. I'm not uh, you know, lining up with DeSantis yet because no one knows how you're going to be when you go from off-Broadway to Broadway, when you're going center stage, when you're going from you know, AAA to the major leagues. Uh, so uh, we have to see how DeSantis does. And there's others. There's, you know, there's Tim Scott from South Carolina. There's Nikki Haley. We can get down the list. Uh, you know, of good, really good, solid candidates, potential candidates that are there. But I don't think we should lock ourselves into Donald Trump. And I still feel in the last election, 2022, we should have done much better uh, by him, again, making himself the center of attention the last week, basing his support on whether or not people or uh, whether or not candidates thought the 2020 election was rigged and all that. It was all about him. And there were so many other issues out there 
we've sort of been discussing important issues like crime and inflation. I think everything you're saying is fair. I really do, Peter. I, I remember when my uh, my late partner, my dear friend Bernard McGurk, uh, said to Anthony Scaramucci, you're dead to me, which I thought was silly. Uh, Mooch will be on Friday. But I understand where Bernie was coming from. He's mad because, you know, he, he just, Mooch has a fight with Trump, blah, blah, blah. You're dead to me. Is Trump dead to you? Is there any way that by the time the primary comes along in 2023, 24, that you would change your mind and vote for Trump? Or is he dead to you at this point? That's it. No, of course, I would, I would never say Donald Trump is dead to me. He was too good a president and he was too good a friend, really, for me ever to say that. No, I would just say that right now it would be hard for me to support him. I would certainly support him against any Democrat that's out there. And it depends on who the Republican is. Listen, if the Republican doesn't measure up, then you, you know, I would have to go with Donald Trump. But right now, I think DeSantis deserves a shot. I think Tim Scott deserves a shot. I think Nikki Haley you know, deserves a shot. Again, you have the auditions. Let them spend 2023 20, you know, letting people get to know them. And then let, you know, let the people decide. I mean, right now, there's no doubt Ron DeSantis you know, is the flavor of the month. But again, you don't know how it's going to be. I'm old enough to remember when Ed Muskie was going to be the Democratic candidate. Yeah. Jeb Bush was going to be the Republican candidate. When uh, the governor of Texas, Rick Perry, was miles ahead of everybody in the polls. And again, it's, once you're out there, it's a different stage. Donald Trump showed he can handle a national stage. Others have also. But I don't. again, we have to see what happens next year. And uh, so rather than being anti-Trump, I'm just saying it's time for Donald Trump to admit that he, admit that he made, I think, serious mistakes in 2022, to admit that he should stop talking about the 2020 election. Now, you know, there's so many legitimate issues he could raise about the 2020 election, which doesn't mean it was legally rigged. But all we know about Twitter and Facebook and the collusion that was out there. But that's, that's, that is, to me, is an intelligent discussion to have as to how we make our elections fairer going forward. Rather than talking about people smuggling in boxes of, you know, mysterious votes in the middle of the night. And it's just, again, you know, he's lost a lot of credibility on that. But anyway, no, hey, there's a long way to go. And, long way to go. You know, let's that see what happens. True. Right. Peter King, the great Peter King, joining me here as he does every Wednesday morning. And uh, this is a great segment. You know, Peter, people like you, a lot smarter than me, have said, I'm not an impeachment guy, going back to the unfair impeachments of Donald Trump. Uh, but now we hear people like Kevin McCarthy, other Republicans, they want to impeach everybody, Biden, everybody. Uh, and Mayorkas is a name that keeps coming up. When you look at the crisis on the border, I know he's in El Paso now, Mayorkas, but the truth is he's done nothing. This administration's done nothing. Title 42 is about to end. You worked with Homeland Security. You know what this means. Terrorists, drug dealers, rapists, awful people coming by bigger numbers into our country. I have to tell you, even though people like you, smarter people say I wouldn't impeach him, I would. I say impeach Mayorkas today. No, what I've said is I don't believe we should be talking about impeaching the president. To me, that that is the last, last step we should have used. I was against Clinton's impeachment. I was against the Trump impeachment. No, I think Mayorkas, it would serve a purpose to have an impeachment. I think it's the only way we can get a real discussion on immigration. The fact is, not only isn't he doing a, a good job, He's almost intentionally doing a bad job. I mean, this administration has made a point of saying what they're not going to do, either that or denying that there's any immigration issue whatsoever. So to me, that is such a dereliction of duty, and this is a national crisis. It really is. I think that impeachment proceedings would be justified when it comes to my office. But we can't be talking about impeaching everyone. Also, with the investigations of Hunter Biden, it's important to do them. We can't be out there every day talking about them. We should build a case and then come out. Otherwise, People are going to get tired of it. And I'm not even saying this from any moral or uh, governmental point of view. Just from a political point of view, 
people are tired of all of the yelling, screaming back and forth. I think it's a real strong case against Hunter Biden. There can be a strong case against Mayorkas. We should build it, but not be over-dramatizing it until we have the evidence that's there, until we can prove it, not just be going on every talk show and, and talking about it. Because, again, I think American people want to see that we can deal, that we do have answers to inflation, we do have answers to crime, and we have constructive answers to uh, you know, the border crisis. So, yeah, it's, to me, do it with a certain bit of restraint, and then when it's all there, go all out. You know, I often wonder what Peter and Rosemary King are doing in New York in the cold weather months. Your beautiful daughter Erin, for example, lives down in North Carolina. You've got all that beautiful real estate in Florida. you got a condo on the beach. And then it occurred to me, you must have lost a ton of money with uh, this uh, Bankman Freed guy. Is that true, Peter King? <laughs> Actually, I gave it all to Scaramucci to invest. I have to find out what he did with it. I don't know. <laughs> He's coming on Friday morning. I'm going to tell him, what did you do, Anthony, with Peter King's money? Uh, are you interested in stories Actually, like this? Let me just say, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying it's you know, the poor mouth. I, I've never owned a share of stock in my life. I've never been involved in that. I'm one of those simple Irish guys that lives on his paycheck. I wish I had a place down on the beach in Florida. All I have is my house here in Seaford, which I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to live in. Uh, but, uh, no, I, uh, uh, I, I actually uh, visiting my daughter at Christmas time. She's down there. She's living the good life in North Carolina. Yeah, it's beautiful there. And, you know, Danielle lived there for 14 years in yeah. Charlotte, not far from where your daughter lives right now. So it is a well, beautiful I state. Something yesterday. I, I, I sort of told this before, but it happened again yesterday. I was at a fairly important business meeting, and different people were speaking. At the end of it, the guy running the meeting, Asked you know, everyone to give their comment on what happened. And this woman sitting next to me, Nancy, you know, she says to me, I love you on, on, on uh, Sid and Friends. Now, this was a discussion involving millions of dollars and all <laughs> deals had to be made. When she got a chance to talk, she was talking to me about Sid and Friends. So I'm, really, I'm fed up. Now, I'm not a narcissist. But I have some kind of an ego. I'm not of my own existence, not just being known as a, a friend of Sid. Well, at least you're a friend. That's a big deal. I mean, you know, how many people have asked me the last couple of weeks how to become a friend? And what do I say? Who are your friends, Sid? I go Bill O'Reilly. I go uh, Bo Deedle, Peter King. Even Mark Levin, the great one himself, asked me yesterday, how do you become a friend of Sid? And I put you at the very top of the list. <laughs> yeah, but it's good, but it's bad. I mean, I'm proud to be a friend in a way, but I've lost my own identity. I'm just, uh, oh, yeah, there's that guy walking down the street. He used to be a congressman, I think, but now he's a friend of Sid. Yeah, you have, you've oh, lost, you've I lost nothing. I've, I've been to events with you down at the uh, the Brooklyn Cyclone Stadium, September 10th, which is a beautiful event every year, 9-11 event. People love you. Been out to eat with you. People love you. You've lost nothing. You're still one of the most popular, and deservedly so. You, you were just a tremendous asset to Long Island, to New York, to this country for so many years. And that's why when I bring up Kathy Hochul, and there is a poll in today's paper that says close to 60% of New Yorkers feel like she has not made New York safer and feel like she has not made New York a place where we should stay. Close to 60%. Those got to be horrifying numbers for a guy like you, Peter, who devoted your life to this great state. Yeah, they really are. And my question is, where were these people on Election Day? I mean, it's almost like now they're complaining afterwards. I mean, the fact is, all of this was out there. Lee Selden laid it all out. Now I see in that same poll, Lee is much more popular than she is. But why didn't they show that on Election Day? I hate to say it. Maybe you get the government you deserve. I mean, all these people are complaining. The fact is, Lee Zeldin laid out such an alternative proposal. He ran a solid Republican campaign, not just anti-Hokal. He laid out what she was doing wrong, but what he would do, how he would combat crime, how he would address all the different issues around the state. And somehow people just, out of a knee-jerk, they voted for 
Kathy Hochul. And uh, so I would just say, I just wish people keep this in mind when the elections come around. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, hey, so-and-so is doing a lousy job, but I guess they voted for her anyway. That's no, a so great this point. Is, uh, yep. Yeah, we really got to get out there and we got to work. And I, again, I give Lee all the credit for the race that he ran. And I guess it's some consolation to him to know that just a month after the election, people think he was right. But too bad they weren't there uh, you know, on November 8th. 60 seconds to go tomorrow. We're going to we're gonna devote six hours between uh, 6 a.m. and noon to this radiothon for Frank Stiller, Tunnel to Towers. And you, Peter King, were the most important, the most important. Oh, John Stewart was there, too, but he's not a politician. You were the most important politician in making sure that people who suffered after that day, of course, uh, received monies for like 100 years. So tomorrow's a big day for the radio station. It's a big day for Frank Siller. It's a big day for the military and all those heroes. But you played a vital part in making sure people never forget 9-11. So tomorrow must be a big day for you, too. No, it, it really is. By the way, Frank Siller is an American hero. Thank God he keeps reminding everyone what happened on September 11th. 9-11, September 11, 2001, what a horrible day that was, how America fought back, how New York fought back, and all those uh, people, all the terrible injuries and deaths that are still occurring today from 9-11. You know, Frank Siller is a great hero. The people who died that day put their lives in the line. They will always be American heroes. Whatever I did, I was proud to do it. It was the least we could do for the men and women to put their lives in the rest, uh, again on the line for the rest of us. But again, Frank Siller, what a hero he is. He keeps going. Low-key guy, behind the scenes, just a wonderful American. You are, too. You're a real hero, a great American, a great patriot, and I love you to pieces, Peter King. Great conversation, as always. Enjoy your Wednesday. Thank you so much. You're great. And you're a great narcissist. (laughs) Yes, I am. Add Peter King now to the list with uh, Brian Kilmeade and Frank Morano and thousands of people on Facebook. They love that word these days, narcissist. I don't know. I thought people wanted to be better and wanted to compete and not a trophy for everybody. I thought that was a good thing. I know Peter's being sarcastic, but folks aren't. They get... I don't think he was. Oh, maybe he wasn't. No. I'm dreaming a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Spectacular! This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Oh, no, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off the by lighting up. Boy. From my friends. The star of the show. Oi! Oi! I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Boy. This Boy. is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help. Seventy-seven WABC. It was December twenty-fourth on Hollis Avenue, the dark. When I seen a man chilling with his dog in the park, I approached him very slowly with my heart full of fear. 
Can you see Bruce Willis right now? John McClain in the back of the limousine on the way to that Nagataki, whatever it was called, building in Los Angeles. Some say this was the greatest Christmas movie ever, Die Hard. And this song, Christmas in Hollis, Queens, Run DMC. I've met Run a bunch of times. I like him very much. In fact, I saw him about two years ago at the Boat Basin on the Upper West Side. This song is how the movie started. He's in the limo on the way to the big building, and next thing you know, all hell breaks loose. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays, the fourth and final hour of today's Sid and Friends show. I'm down to my last seven shows after today before I take off for Hanukkah, Christmas, and, of course, ushering in 2023. You know, yesterday we started the show, you remember this, with uh, some lady named Robin Rappaport sending me a message, which I posted on my Instagram story. She's a stylist, salon in New Jersey. But she was listening from the beaches of Turks and Caicos. Well, now I get a message from a lady, a friend named Amy Epstein, another big fan of the show. She says, I heard the way you opened the show yesterday. Just so you know, right now I am in the Dominican Republic at Casa de Campo for my daughter's wedding. And listening to you every chance I get. Don't have to announce this. Oops. But you're my morning juice. Peace. So I guess Mazel Tov in order for Amy Epstein. My daughter getting married in the DR and listening right now like Robin did yesterday from Turks and Caicos. So point is, people go on vacation, they take us with them. It's awesome. kind of cool. Shalom. Yeah, I, I never did that. I went away and I was like, "Yeah, see ya." Not listening to you this. Know, no Mike and the Mad Dog. No, I miss nothing. Anyway, I uh, got a Christmas card here. It reads, "Merry Christmas to you," and it says, "Well, I can't read. I'm going blind here. I see Danielle. I see Gina. I see Jade. I see Rocco. I see Mariah. Mm-hmm. What is his first name?" Stamatis. No, my dad's that? name. Is he Greek? Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm half that Greek, half sense. Italian. Well, your last name is Greek. Yeah. So on this Christmas card, well, let, let me let, let you talk about it. Uh, tell everybody who you are first. Well, my name is Gina. I do the social media here at WABC. And what's your last name? Limberopolis. You believe that, Louis? You know, no. going all the way back to February, the first time I was on this show, we had yeah. the same conversation. Same conversation, yeah. And yeah. you said, never say it again, but oh, I'm well, saying it again. I thought you would shorten your name by now. Like, call yourself Limera or something. I mean, I call myself Gina Bina. That's my nickname. I know, Gina Bina. I so see when you go into witness protection, <laughs> they give you a cool name. That's what happens. <laughs> exactly, well, exactly. Gina Bina is a cool name. So Gina's in charge of the social media. She's excellent at what she does. Really Thank excellent. You. Everybody here loves her. She's a sweet girl. And her mom, Danielle, is a huge fan of the show. Mm-hmm. So on this Christmas card, I noticed pictures of you, your family, but other <laughs> assorted figures, if you yes. will, including me. Yes, you made the Christmas card. <laughs> now, how does that happen? Well, it's been a crazy, crazy year. Obviously, I've been here for since my first day was January 10th. And oh, you've at, only been here for, for yeah. like 11 months. Yeah, only 11 okay. months. And over the last 11 months, you guys have become my family. You yeah. really have. I'm here Monday to Friday. I'm here more than I see my own actual family. Right. So it was only right that you guys ended up my card. And my brother interned here as well. And he's Rocco. all over it, too. That's I who's love in the picture brother, with you. Yes, me and Rocco yeah. is wearing, I think he's wearing a booed shirt there. He is, yeah. That's like one of the only That's days I did not wear a collared shirt. <laughs> and you got the picture of me wearing a sweatshirt with Rocco. Uh, who else is on this? Tony Orlando? I love Tony. Uh, Tony has, be- I call him Uncle Tony when I when I speak to him. That's now. creepy. Uh, Curtis Sliwa? <laughs> he doesn't care, no. Yeah, Judge Jeanette Pirro? Do you see the background? Cousin of the- Brucey? you see the background of the Curtis Sliwa? 
uh, photo. I see an American flag. Do you see the person? Is that Eric Adams? Yes, it is Eric Adams. Yeah, I see his eye. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Who's the, the football jersey guy? Rocco. Oh, that's Rocco. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so these are... Um, you have one side just family, and the second side, it's a beautiful card, yeah. is basically ABC celebrities. It is, basically. It's basically all the talent here. and Not all the talent. I don't see Greg Kelly on this card. He didn't make the card. He wouldn't take pictures. Is that why? You didn't choose it. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> Color me I don't shot. see Frank Morano. I don't see Dominic Carter. I don't see Rita Cosby. I don't see Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> I don't see John Katsimatidis. I see four people. <laughs> <laughs> well... Now it's a challenge for next year to right, get everybody year, on the card. Everybody else, yeah, yes. Well, I'm honored to be on this card. Yeah, this of is course. beautiful. You know, I'll tell you, I, I told you this before in private, but I'll say it now. You you have always been somebody that I've listened to even when I was younger through WFAN, oh. everything that you did. Thank you. Um, but now I get to work with you, and I said that, to me, you are my version of, of Stern. Because oh I, I get to work with somebody that I look up to and, and everything. So you being on that card makes a lot more sense now that I explain it. Well, you have a you cigarette? Have so. You have a parliament? <laughs> a Marlboro Light? I smoke them all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am your Howard Stern. You I, are. For, for me, that's a big deal because you know how much I idolize I, Howard, I know. of course. And, and I idolize you and what well, you do and you. how good you are. So. I love you, too. Thank you. That's really very sweet. Thank of course. You. Yeah. Thank you. Well, happy uh, holidays and Merry Christmas to you. And thank you for the kind words. And thank you for putting me on the card. I love you very, very of course. much. Thank I you. love you, too, Sid. Gina. Bina. Uh, Bina. <laughs> <laughs> and her adorable mom, Danielle, and her great brother, Rocco, and the whole crew, and uh, yeah. Stimulus, and uh, her father. And, stimulus. Uh, <laughs> and, and you have another sister here. Uh, what's her name again? Jade and Mariah. Jade and Mariah. They're yes. a beautiful family. Thank you. But you're my favorite. Thank you. Thank you, Gina. Thank you very much. Uh, any of you folks, feel free to put me on your Christmas card this season. <laughs> Lou, next year. I, I don't even. I'm, I'm trying to get it. I don't know. <laughs> I love it. This is going right in my refrigerator next to Billy Felton's kids and Joey Perante's kids. And I've got a refrigerator filled with all my neighbor's kids for Christmas. And uh, my niece Jennifer and her three beautiful kids. And now Gina Bina's family makes a refrigerator. And now she could be one of your kids. <laughs> she could be. Yes, she could be. It, but uh, believe me, she could be. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm just How about those Mets? Uh, I know you are. I know you are. No, Thank you very much, Gina. I would Thank not you. be shocked. Yeah. <laughs> so we've covered so much on today's program from the crisis at the border to this uh, Sam Bankman-Fried story. Had two great guests on, both Ron and Santa and Jason, and Jason Trenner. Uh, we had uh, Peter King on the show. He was terrific. John Franco will join us coming up in about 10 minutes. The back of today's New York Post paying homage to Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets. And it reads, the gift that keeps on giving Cohen generosity, bringing joy to Metville. And then it's got pictures of all these Mets that have either remained here or come here. Remained here, guys like the closer, Edwin Diaz, center fielder, Brandon Nimmo, and other guys that have come here, which include Justin Verlander. That's a big one. This kid from Japan, Kodai Senga, Jose Quintanilla, David Robinson, Robertson. Uh, is it Quintana, I guess, how you say his name. So there's uh, six pictures on the back of today's New York Post. So Franco's going to talk about that, but he's really here to talk about Tunnel to Towers. Tomorrow is the big radiothon, and, of course, John Franco became the face of 9-11 here in New York. Him, Mike Piazza. You know, the Yankees that year made the World Series, if you remember. They lost it. It was a heartbreaking loss to Arizona, Game 7, Mariano Rivera. It was such an exciting World Series, too. All those big Yankee home runs, Derek Jeter, Scott Brocious, 
Tino Martinez off that guy, Young Young Kim. But they lost in seven games. But there was a wonderful HBO documentary, which I went to see at the Museum of Natural History when it first came out many years ago, because I was friends with a guy named Ross Greenberg, who ran HBO Sports. And I remember showing up that night at the museum, and I was on WFAN, so I had, you know, had some, some uh, cachet, I guess. But it was 2003. I wasn't really a star at that point. And I walked in, and I saw, like, Jimmy Gandolfini and Tony Sirico. I'm like, oh, my God. And then the man that hosted the event that night was a guy named Rudy Giuliani. Surreal, I'm so close with Rudy and Andrew now today, but he was the face of the Yanks. Rudy loved the Yankees. And this piece was called Nine Innings from Ground Zero. Went on to show the viewer how the 9-11 attacks really affected the Yankees, specifically the World Series, how for the first time ever, Yankee fans walked into the stadium in the Bronx and had to walk through a metal detector. For the first time ever, there were guys, because it was only a couple of weeks after 9-11, we had no idea if we were going to be attacked again. There were guys standing outside the stadium, snipers, guns. It was like, whoa, is this a baseball game or war? And that documentary, Not Innings from Ground Zero, Paul O'Neill talked about it, Jeter, all these guys walking into the stadium post 9-11, the emotion of the fans holding signs who were still missing loved ones, who were Yankee fans. And it was like, hey, Uncle Jimmy, come home. We're at the Yankee game right now. World Series, you should be here. But also how terrifying it was that now we've come to the point in this country where you had to go to a baseball game almost armed. If you haven't seen it, I don't care if you're a Yankee fan or not, nine innings from ground zero. It's a wonderful piece. But the Mets were really the team that captured the city. Bobby Valentine, the manager of the Mets, did a tremendous job. They used Shea Stadium, you may remember at the time, as a triage. Because they expected to have survivors, which we didn't have many. We know that, if any. But two players in particular were big during those days. One was Mike Piazza, who hit that home run, heard round the world against the Braves and the Pirates. Two of them, really. The Pirates was the first. And then John Franco, the great Met reliever John Franco, who knew so many cops and firemen that died that day. So many. Remember John standing there with a series against the Pirates with the FDNY cap on, the NYPD cap on. And um, he was another guy like Rudy who went to so many funerals when it was all said and done. And he went on, of course, to have a Hall of Fame career. He's not in the Hall of Fame. He should be. I believe to this day, he's got the most saves for any left-handed reliever. Great days in Cincinnati. Amazing days with the Mets. Houston, too. And a kid that never left home. John Franco's a New York guy. And guess where he is today? He's a New York guy. And I love the guy. The year before was uh, the Subway Series. It's that was a, the year amazing. before. It was the year before. That's right. I saw on, uh, I think it was a Yankeeography, last night they replayed game one of uh, oh my the, God. Of the Timo uh, Perez. Yes, the Armando Timo Perez. Benitez. And when he got thrown and out. I was plate. at that game. Okay. I went to one, I went to two games. I went to the game at Chase Stadium with Derek Jeter hit the home run, and I sat next to Kevin James, King of Queens. Okay. 
and I went to that first game at Yankee Stadium, and Danielle and I sat with John Lynch. He is now the general manager, manager. of the 49ers, right. Hall of Fame football wow. player. Him and his wife, who's gorgeous, by the way. He was also a great baseball player at Stanford. Yeah, and he, he may have been drafted by the Yankees. Yeah, he looks like a great athlete, John. Great wow. athlete. And we sat Still. with Lynch. Yeah, yeah. But Rudy was in the booth with uh, John Sterling. Yes. And Michael Day. So he was talking about it. And I was watching it thinking, oh, my God, this is before 9-11. Right a before. Year. Yeah. And next year wow. it's wow. happened. <laughs> so the, the Subway Series happens. one, And then a year later, New York City goes wow. through what it went through. That was That's unbelievable. And Rudy's talking yep. about how great this was for the city, the oh, Subway Series. He had no idea what was coming. Unreal. And still was calm mm. as a cucumber next the year after that's that. That's how I got the job at FAN. Uh, and by the way, I do want to uh, point out in today's New York Post – and I want to thank John Katsimatidis again for um, doing something no one has really done in my career, like John has done for all of us here, and that is promote this radio station. There is a beautiful color ad in today's New York Post promoting tomorrow's Radiothon, pictures of Frank Siller and me and the other six hosts that will join me tomorrow, Rudy and Andrew Giuliani, Dominic Carter, Rita Cosby, Curtis Sliwa, and um, Frank Morano, excellent, excellent, and beautiful color ad in today's New York Post about tomorrow's Radiothon. So thank you to John Katsimatidis. But that's how I got the job, because I came up to New York in April of 2000, and I was doing the, um, the morning show at WNEW with Scott Kaplan, my first New York job, and the station was killing it back then. Ron and Fez, Opie and Anthony, the radio chick, Don and Mike, all of them. And... Came up in April. In fact, the day I came up, this is crazy, but Michigan State was playing Florida for the NCAA Basketball Championship. And we had an appearance that night at the ESPN Zone with Jason Williams. That was a game where Mateen Cleaves went nuts for Michigan State and they upset Florida, Billy Donovan's team. So we're there for the World Series. And uh, I'm going around town. And I go down to Rockefeller Center one day to see Mike and the Mad Dog do a live show from Rockefeller Center with all these crazy New York baseball fans. And I met Mark Chernoff. And he said, oh, you're the guy that does this show in the morning, the, the sports show. <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's me. Yeah, You're pretty good. I like a, yeah, I uh, like some of what you're doing. I remember when home, I said, Danielle, I go, I met the guy from the fan, Chernoff. He said I was pretty good. So then when I got let go by WNEW, a place to call is Steve Cohen, who, of course, has been running sports forever at Sirius XM. And Cohen confirmed. He said, yes, Lee Davis likes you. Mark Chernoff likes you. And <laughs> he added a third name. She was in charge of promotions. Connie Fitzgerald. Oh, wow. He goes, you play this game, Ties That Bind. It was a sports show that we did, me and Scott. It was a game show. And he's like, just so you know, Lee and Connie play every week. I go, are you serious? He's like, no, they do like you. We had lunch at Merchants on the Upper East Side. So he set up a meeting between me and Chernoff, Steve Cohen, and sure enough, Chernoff hired me. Initially, to do sports on IMIS, promising me the midday show once Susan Waldman left and went to the S Network. So the Subway Series was how I got the job at WFAN. Just be patient. It's going to happen. Yes. Be careful. And it did. Let's enjoy the game. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty crazy. That's yeah. Like, wow. Yeah.
Well, those are crazy days. Well, those are good days, though. They were good days. Some but I like, uh, I like the stability that we've got here now. Oh, yeah. And uh, talking about, again, the ad, John Katsimatidis, the promo, tomorrow, that big day. Back then, it was complete madness, you know. I, I didn't know from one day to the next because I was so effed up anyway, but. Anyway, you got to contain yourself a little bit. Just be careful. It'll get good. Just relax. Oh, my God. Don't let him near there. No. Oh, not again. No, no. Not again. Not again. No, not again. 1 800 848 WABC. 1 800 848 So, with that said, on the eve of our very big Tunnel to Towers Radiothon, we'll talk to the face from Major League Baseball, the Mets, and 9 11. One of the greatest pitchers, not just in Met history, but New York history. My dear friend John Franco joins us next, right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning, only on Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Can't see nothing in front of me. Can't see nothing coming up behind. Make my way through this darkness. I can't feel nothing but this chain that binds me. Lost track of how far I've gone. Far gone, how high I've climbed On the backs of 60 pound stone On the shoulder half mile line Come on up for the rising Come on up with your hands in mine Come on up for the rising Come on up for the of 9-11, this is a song for me, Bruce Springsteen, The Rising, and of course, Little Stevie, Stephen Van Zandt, in my opinion, the best E Street band member, they're all great, Nils Lofgren, Mighty Max, Clarence Clemens was great, he passed away, but Little Stevie, as you know, is a dear friend of mine, he'll be on this show on Friday, he does a major event with cops, for the cops, in this city every year around Christmas. And we'll all be together this Tuesday night. Stephen Van Sant and his crew, Marty Max Weinberg, Gary U.S. Bonds. So he'll join me on Friday. But not only do I think of Bruce Springsteen and Van Sant on 9-11, I think of my dear friend John Franco. This, this is one of the greatest baseball players, not just in the history of New York, but more saves from the left side than anybody in the history of the game. So many big games between Cincinnati and, of course, our New York Mets. And uh, he knew a lot of folks that perished that day, and he has remained so active. I know he knows Frank Siller very well, Tunnel to Towers. John Franco was born in New York and never left New York. So to me, he is the epitome of New York greatness. And he's kind enough on this busy day to hop on for a couple of minutes. My man, the great John Franco. Johnny, good morning. How are you, pal? Good morning, Sid. How are you doing? I'm great. Always, uh, always great to talk to you and as I told you yesterday, I know your daughter is coming in today. Mine's coming in Monday from college. But um, right. tomorrow's our, our annual radiothon. We had been doing the last couple of years, John, Cohen Children's Medical Center. But this year uh-huh. we've moved it over to Frank Siller and Tunnel to Towers. And I got to tell you, I'm not sure if you still want to hear this. Or you do, you don't. I don't know. But when I think about that tragic day in this country's history, you're one of the first people I think of because of 
how courageous and how much you love this city. So that remains true, John, even now for me, 20 plus years later. Yeah, yeah. That the, uh, you know, my teammates and I, we, we got involved right away in the tunnel to tower of Frank Stiller and the family. They do a tremendous job uh, from day one. So, uh, you know, we just did a little thing. Uh, they, they continue to do what they do every year, and, uh, and they do such a great job, not only for the, the tunnel to towers, the fire and policemen, but also for the wounded warriors also. You did more than just a little thing. I mean, you and, of course, your skipper back then, Bobby, and Mike, of course, hit that big home run, but... Everybody remembers you with the NYPD hat, the FDNY hat, and all the things that you did. And you, and you did know, John, a lot of folks that actually died that day, yes? Yeah, yes. A couple of firemen and some policemen. So, you know, guys are one, one of the guys with one of my son's little league coach. So, oh. uh, you know, we, we the, the Met organization did what uh, did the right thing. We did, you know, go around to the firehouses and the families and, uh, uh, you know, see the kids uh, and just to put a little Band-Aid on a big wound. You know, we were talking about how 9-11, John Franco, came a year after the Subway series. And um, I was talking about this this amazing documentary, which I saw, Nine Innings from Ground Zero, which uh, everybody should watch. I know you've seen it, John. And Rudy Giuliani and all these great people. By the way, Andrew Giuliani, Rudy's son, loves you because I'm a Yankee fan, but I love John Franco. Every Met loves, every New Yorker loves John Franco. Um, but but that was a year after. I mean, the Subway Series, such a huge thing. Who could imagine, John, a year after that, we'd have the worst day in the history of this country? I know. Well, nobody could imagine that. Uh, nobody could imagine an attack on the, in the U.S., something like that. Uh, was this a tragedy? And uh, yeah, just a year later, you know, the Subway Series was in 2000, and then 2001, uh, obviously the, uh, the the terrorist attack on the, on the World Trade Center. I asked, I forget who it was, uh, some med, I said, would you trade the 69 victory over Baltimore and the 86 victory over the Red Sox in the World Series to have won that one against the Yanks? And, <laughs> and I swear to God, they said yes. And you know what's funny, John? Then I said to Bernie Williams, I said, if you would have lost all four of those other World Series before, would you be okay if you still beat the Mets? And he said yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, to all the players, we, we, you know, the guys would be lying to you saying it's just another game. You know, the, even during the the, uh, the interleague play, you know, the, getting interviewed by by you know TV reporters and, and newspaper guys and saying, oh, guys are just that cliche, like it's just another game. But deep down inside. Uh, you know, we wanted to beat the Yankees, and the Yankees wanted to beat us. But uh, and both ownerships wanted to win against each other too. So uh, it was a great series. Uh, always when we play the Yankees, even in the during the interleague, uh, we had some good games against them. And uh, I think it was just great for the city that both uh, both teams played well, and we had a, a nice World Series. But unfortunately, we were on the the, the short end of the stick, and uh, and the better team won that series. I'll tell you what, though, Steve Cohen, (laughs) John, he is doing everything he can to make sure that the Mets don't lose round one against the San Diego Padres. Uh, You look at the back of today's New York Post, and he brings back Diaz, he brings back Nimmo, he brings in Quintana, 
He brings in the biggest one of all, Justin Verlander. He brings in this Japanese pitcher they say is going to be great, this kid Sanger, David Robertson. Those are six uh-huh. faces right there. So the Mets may have come up short last season in a 100-win season, 101-win season, I should say. But Steve Cohen looks like he's really playing for keeps this offseason. Yeah, you know, as soon as Mr. Cohen bought the team, you know, he's, he obviously is a Met fan and rooted for the Mets all these years, and now he's the owner. Uh, he's he's spending money wisely, bringing in some good players. Obviously, the pitching staff is probably, you know, top in the league right now with the, with the pitches that he brought in. Unfortunately, they, they lost Jake, but they, you know, followed up with Justin Verlander. Well, who would you rather have right now on this day today, today? Who would you rather have, 39-year-old Justin Verlander, or Jacob DeGrom, who, quite frankly, as great as he was, and I loved watching him pitch, he was never healthy, ever. Well, if you're comparing last year, compared to last season, obviously Verlander had the edge because he had a, an unbelievable year and won a World Series and coming off of a Tommy John surgery two years prior. So, And unfortunately, Jake was hurt quite often uh, last year and the year before. So, uh, you know, and, and as a player, uh, you wait for your opportunity to become a free agent, and then you have the right to choose where you want to play. And then that's what Jay did. He chose... Uh, his opportunity to be a free agent, and he chose where he wanted to play. Um, yeah. Whether it's a good decision or a bad decision, it's his decision, and he felt it was good for him and his family. We hate him now because of that. Though. We don't care how many games he won. <laughs> we hate you. Well, you know, he, he did go to the American <laughs> League, so you don't have to worry about that. Oh, you're right. They're not like a freaking Wheeler pitching for the Phillies against us. That really hurts. But I was listening. Yeah. Uh, I take a ferry ride back to Rockaway. John, you know all my friends in Breezy and Rockaway. You know them all. So right. I take the ferry, and then there's like a five-minute shuttle, free shuttle, takes me from the ferry to my house. And the guy that oh. drives the shuttle, this guy Ray, he's a great guy, he has the fan on every day. So he's got uh, Tiki and uh, Brandon Tierney on. And yesterday they they were complaining. They were saying, I guess they're Yankee fans, one of them, I don't know. And they're like, listen, yes, we brought back Aaron Judge and we gave the GM a contract extension. But all we've done is judge. I mean, you got Cohen across the street. He's signing players every day. Judge is not enough. He won 99 games. He got blown out in the playoffs by Houston again. Judge is not enough. So Yankee fans are already pissed about next season because all they've done is judge. That was the easy one, and the Mets are signing everybody. Yeah, but, you know, the season isn't starting until uh, until April. I'm sure uh, Brian Cashman and the Yankee organization is going to do something before that. But, uh, you know, right now it's not even Christmas, so there's no need to panic. But uh, I understand where they're coming from when you see – it's cross-town team doing all the moves, and your team's not doing much, but uh, they did sign Aaron Judge back, which I thought was very important for the organization, and he's just such a good kid that uh, they can build a team around him, and then I'm sure they're going to do that. They have, I'm sure they have a plan. No, I'm sure they do, too. But, you know, Yankee fans are. I mean, they're very impatient. And the, the truth is they have not won a World Series now in 14 years since 2009. <laughs> so it's becoming like that Messier chant almost, uh, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But uh, they have, uh, what is it, 27 of them? So they have room to spare. Yeah, they got a couple. Yeah, 27 is pretty good. Yeah. You know, last time you were on, you were talking about the, the Hall of Fame. And I saw Billy Wagner uh a couple of weeks ago, Billy pitched for the Mets for like 15 minutes, and he was, he was he was great. He was very good. And he had a very good career. But my producer, Justin Alec, he's a young kid, John, but he's a big baseball fan. I mentioned the fact that John Franco will join me, and to this day, nobody has more sa- uh, saves from the left side than John. And I was walking back to the studio moments ago before you came on, and Justin goes, 
Oh, my God, you're right. Even Billy Wagner. I go, no, I'm telling you. John Franco has got the most saves from the left side. He should be in the Hall of Fame. You and I had, had that discussion last time you were on. Any yeah. progress? What's, what's going on with that? Nah, nothing. Status quo still. <laughs> nothing, no movement. Nothing well, how do we get you in? Do we have to pay somebody, kill somebody? <laughs> what do I got to do? <laughs> I don't know. That, that stuff's out of my hands. I can't control things. I have no control over. <laughs> you sure I know a couple of guys in Bay Ridge. You probably know them. Too. They get yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, your numbers speak for themselves. You're the all-time yeah. saves leader from the left side. What else do you got to do? What else? Uh, I, I don't know, Sid. This was... Just, uh, it's just one unfortunate things, and uh, you know when you don't have boats and stuff like that, it's uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things where the riders vote and they they don't they you know you don't get enough votes, but yeah. then you, you move on, so you just really can't dwell on it right now. Well, you got a great life. I mean, your son's playing; he's in the majors. You've got a daughter coming home today. In fact, you know, uh, Andrew Giuliani lives uh, down there in Lower Manhattan, not far from the Freedom oh, Tower. Really? Yeah, and okay. and he's like, yeah, I think Johnny lives down here. I'm not gonna give away where you live, by the way, because psychos out there they'll come follow you and all that stuff, and you know, <laughs> steal your dog. But <laughs> yeah, I'm still walking my dog. Sid. No, you're not. When I see you, you swear, are you in the oh, same yeah. place? You're still walking the dog? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, my son yeah. Gabriel is now 14 years old, and he went to the uh, day camp there when he was a little boy. Yeah. And his fondest memory, he goes, I remember when Daddy used to talk to that Met player, Franco. He thinks that's your first name. Franco, when he was walking the dog. How cool was that, Daddy? I go, John is still my friend, Gabe. You're going to see him again. So you're still walking the dog in the same place. Yes, yes. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> Somebody's, it's not even your yeah. dog. It's your wife's dog. Somebody else should walk the dog. Nah, that's my, he's, he's, he's my partner, man. He's a good dog. No, he's, he's a, a good, good dog. dog. Yeah. So what are you doing for Christmas? Are you guys staying home? Are you going to go to Florida? Are you going to do something uh, fun? I haven't decided yet. We haven't decided yet. We, we, our, our family, we do things the last minute, so we yeah. haven't decided what we're yeah. doing for holidays. Well, listen, uh, tomorrow's a big day for our radio station and every New Yorker. I speak for every New Yorker, John. Met fan, Yankee fan, it doesn't matter. We all love you. We appreciate what you did on that day and weeks after and years after. Back on 9-11, certainly your career spoke for itself. You're a great player. And you remain a, uh, an ambassador here in New York and a super guy. Every time I text you, you get back to me in five minutes. I appreciate that. Thank you for everything and Merry Christmas, my friend. Thank you, Sid. Happy holidays to you and your family also. You you. too. God bless you. There he is, one of the all-time greats, John Franco. That is a super guy right there. That is a New York guy through and through. Sid and Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. Dalla says, I listened to you when I was in Germany. Everybody has to jump in now. And my friend Ralph Napolitano says, I'm having a cup of espresso in my underwear in the Bronx listening to you right now. So not as impressive as a Dior or Turks and Caicos. Look at this. I got this from a lady named Jenna Smith moments ago on my Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. He says, good morning, Sid. I've been talking, as you know, about this big event I'm going to Tuesday night. Mike Sullivan, Stephen Van Zandt, Mighty Max Weinberg, Gary U.S. Bonds, a whole bunch of important people. And they're actually honoring Frank Caron that night. 
which is going to make Curtis Sliwa go nuts. Frank, of course, works with the mayor, Eric Adams, right now, but he's set to move on next year in January. So they're going to honor Frank Carone that night. Vinny Pastore, who played Big Pussy on The Sopranos, is hosting the event this year. I think I'll be hosting it next year. But either way, big night, and I love the cops. You know that. So this lady, Jenna Smith, says, Good morning, Sid. I'm a police mom. I started making coffee cakes from my son's precinct back on July 4th of 2020. It was a horrible time for all the police. I wanted to show my appreciation. This will be my fourth year. I now make eight for all the Nassau County precincts, as well as my sons in Brooklyn. And then she showed me pictures of her son, his partner. She had to work overnight, so she delivered them to the precinct on time this year. But how about that, Jenna Smith? Isn't that lovely? Excellent. Yeah, good for her. Yeah. Good for her. Some good people left out there, Lou. Not many. Yeah, unfortunately. Here's one, Andrew Giuliani. He says he likes the crosstalk with Joe Nolan. He said, um, the show keeps getting better and better. Love how you keep bringing Phil and Lou in the mix and even the social media girl. You're really entertaining, Andrew Giuliani. And he knows he's a young kid. He's the audience that I want. I mean, I know I've got the 60, 70, or 80-year-olds wrapped up. I love those people. Yeah. But I'd like to get some younger folks like Andrew. He knows Ethereum, too, so that's good. No, he doesn't. No? Nobody knows. Okay. Only uh, Buster um, um, Snurdly. I like that guy. He's a good guy, Snurdly. Thank you, Sid. I've been on his show twice now. We should bring him on our show once. Hey, Phil. <laughs> Did you just call him Buster Snurdly? Yeah. Buster. What, oh, what's his name again? Bo. See, I, when I think of Bo, I think of Deedle. That's, That's it. No other Bo's. His name is like a Larry. Um, James Gold. Yeah, James Gold. Yeah, That's no, right. No, no, no. Larry Bo from Snurdly. the Three Stooges. No. Larry. When I think of Bo, I think of Bo Deedle first, Bo Jackson second. So I guess I did say Buster. But I really like the guy. And Andrew Giuliani likes you, Phil. He says you're entertaining. I like Andrew a lot, actually. I like him more than I like you. That's true. I know that's true. Uh, I know you like Greg Kelly more than you like me. That's I, I make that pretty clear. What do you like about him more than you like about me? I'm just kidding. How could I possibly catch him? Listen, yeah, he, there's a lot of things you're lacking. Well, he did serve this country, which he you did. can never minimize. Lieutenant, uh, that's a big deal. I, I love Greg Kelly for that. On a serious note, I love Greg Kelly for that. I've never done that. So right off the bat, that gives him a huge edge. He's a better person than you. No, that's not true. No, See, he true. loses every place else after you get through the war stuff. Why is he a better person? Because he loves Jesus? All of a yeah. sudden, he's a Bible belt or a thumper all of a sudden? He ain't fooling me. I know the real Greg Kelly. The irony is <laughs> yeah. Greg, Greg Kelly could fall right over Phil as he runs in here in the studio every day. Wouldn't even know who no, he is. No, no, Greg, no, no. Greg likes Phil. He likes me. He every, does. He every likes day him. he comes in, he says, hey, yeah, guy. Yeah, he does. It's he a says, weird what? thing. Hey, guy. Oh, that means a lot. Yes. <laughs> Oh, he should have said that in the Wait beginning. Wait a second. I mean, he thinks like, your name is Guy? I think he just doesn't know my name, so he just says, you know, a blanket. Hey, Guy. Hey, dude. Hey, that's man. great. I, 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 I love I, your podcast uh, called uh, <laughs> The Future Is <laughs> Now. Oh, you're not Bo Snurdly. Okay, uh, guy. Hey, guy. Guy. Hey, he guy. likes me. Ooh, yeah. Well, it's clear how Lou feels about it. He's got him. a good radio show. Good guy. He does have a good radio show. Not this. Doesn't compare to this. It's a different. <laughs> not even close. It's a different format. No, it's not even close. He could, not, it's not even close. He might be able to do this. 
just as well, maybe even better. Yeah, yeah. Phil, if you want to be <laughs> there for that, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're well, working your way towards you that. Go uh, there. Yeah, your oh, moments. Yeah. You know, never mind. Keep that up. Scratch that one from the record. Keep never, that up. Never <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Phil's gonna go to the net uh, meter and wipe it all out. Oh, this is uh, my boy Joe Nunziata. Last night was the Giulio Boys Christmas party at Bomanti's. Oh, it's tonight. That's Vinny Viola's favorite Italian restaurant in New York, and I've been there with Vinny and the Panthers hockey team. It's a great place, Vermontes. It ain't uh, Joe and no. Joe in uh, Pearl River, no. and it ain't Michael's in Brooklyn, but it's close. Nope. Good chicken farm. Very good chicken yeah. farm. Joe Nunziata, the king of Williamsburg, will come back and wrap things up right after this. Love is not so wrong. We're WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. We got to run here quickly. Odell Beckham Jr. going to sit out the rest of the year. This is according to my sources. My sources are Phil. Uh, secondly, Joe DiGiacomo, my electrician and dear friend, tells me that tonight at the Bell Harbor Yacht Club, if you live in Bell or Breezy or Rockaway, show up at the Bell Harbor Yacht Club and show support for my dear friend Thomas Sullivan, who's getting screwed by the Democrats and this Stacey Pfeiffer Amato. They're going to steal that election. He's won it. He's won it more than once. He's still winning in terms of the vote count. But they're going to make sure Stacey Amato and those Democrats, he doesn't win. Show up tonight at the Bell Harbor Yacht Club and show support for my dear friend Thomas Sullivan. I'm on my way to a Brian Kilmeade Christmas party lunch. I'll be back with the whole crew tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. for a six-hour radiothon celebrating Frank Siller. The fine folks of Tunnel to Towers, make sure you donate early and often tomorrow morning. I'll have six different co-hosts, including Andrew Giuliani. It's going to be a great morning, folks, so make sure you tune in. As for today, we are done. Lou Rapino, Macedonia, Phil, Justin Ellick, Deb Valentine, the whole crew. Talk to you tomorrow at 6 a.m. for the big radiothon. Until then, from all of us to all of you on this Wednesday in New York City, peace! I know.